What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Between Two Heads. My name is Jameson Wellborn. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the talented Addison Demora. And today we have Kyle Greenhall on. Kyle is the co-founder of Heritage Mendocino, as well as the owner of Bon Vivant Farms. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, you guys having me here, for sure. Thanks oh, for man, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, before we dive into Heritage Mendocino, Bon Vivant, and all the great work you're doing there, on this show, we always like to cut right to the chase and, and, and learn a little bit more about you and, and where you came from. I know from listening to other interviews you were on, you grew up in Utah. Can you talk a little bit about what childhood was like for you? Yeah, um, I grew up in Utah. I was Utah born and raised in a Mormon family that wasn't like, super strict or anything. We just went to church on Sunday and were able to kind of just that's what we did as uh, being a Mormon family. Um, yeah, I grew up in Utah. I've been a cultivator for 25 years now. Um, it started what, when what, I was a little kid, about what were you like as a kid? What's that? Like kid Kyle, before cannabis, you know, in, in class, in school, were, were you, were you a focused and, and studied student? No, I was, uh, no, um, far from it. Um, I had severe ADD. I was really super hyperactive. Um, I really liked to, uh, kind of do whatever I wanted there. So I was put in an all boys preparatory academy from 15 to 18, which is kind of like an all boys prison in a sense, but. Um, wasn't called that. Um, so I spent three years there trying to kind of figure out who I was. And I was, was the same person who it's who I was. And then, uh, begged my folks to get back out and to go back to normal high school and just have some sort of normal life that where some co-ed and, you know, just being a normal teenager, I lasted like three months, like maybe even two months, you know, and I was just, you know, sold everything I had and, you know, moved up to Alaska. So dropped out of high school, third term, senior year, um, was just over it all. My mom was just begging me at that time. She's like, just drop out, dude. You're, you're done. You know, like, you know, what, just go. What so kind of gave her a really good like feeling. And also she was super scared that I was taken off. And so do you want me to dive into that story? Yeah. Like what, well, what, before we dive into that incredible story, yeah. like, what drew, like what was your relation? When, when did your relationship with cannabis start? Um, I first started smoking weed in, um, it was seventh grade, seventh grade. I was 12 years old and I was at this theme park called Lagoon. Um, we went and smoked. My friend Brandon came and brought this like pipe that you screw together and everything that's made out of those lamp parts and shit. It was awesome. And then we went out and we smoked this bowl and then we went and rode the rides and I spent 20 bucks on churros that day. It was amazing. And then I kind of fell in love with it and it was actually, the only thing that would really calm me down and make me mellow and um because of my add i mean it was what my medicine was and you know at the time i was all hopped up on like disoxin which is adderall now and which is like straight meth at that time which was pretty messed up to give someone like with add i feel you know so begged my mom just let me smoke weed she just lost it so that's kind of where i kind of came into it and i really started finding a huge big appreciation for cannabis then because it was a really big helper for me so, and at what uh, what age, Kyle, did you uh, find snowboarding? Um, I was snowboarding since um, second grade, like wow. first or second grade. My uh, brother bought this uh, old avalanche snowboard he had to use ski boots with, and he sucked at it so bad. Like, he was like the worst. And uh, he's, he's more like a book nerd type of guy, but he's, he's super smart. So I got it from him, and uh, I used to ride that with my mom's ski boots like bigger than shit couldn't even fit my feet in there and i'd ride it every day and i started doing that you know since like you know right of second grade and then got really 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 good about like fourth grade 
And then on from then, you know, I was at, you know, being able to snowboard, being in from Utah and the resorts being so close. And that was the time before global warming where we had like six feet of snow at the house too. And it was just, it was epic. So that's when I got into all that. So what prompted the move out to Alaska? Like of all the places, you know, school's not really working out for you. You've got this affinity to cannabis. Yeah. Um, why Alaska? Well, my uh, one of my good friends, Matt, at the time in high school, he had these really cool parents that were would let us kind of hang out there and let us smoke weed. And they were really the, the cool parents of the school. And uh, he had a sister that lived in Alaska that would come back and share all these like stories about being up there and um, what they were doing up there. And I just thought it was the coolest shit ever. And uh, so I made the go like I kind of was like throughout the that little time that I was at my senior year, I kind of got the inkling that I wanted to go to Alaska. So um, I kind of got the opportunity and left. And so when when you you're heading up to Alaska, um, you end up making it there. I think at first you get turned away at the Canadian border on your first try and then and then you end up making it there on your second try. Yeah. What happened once you got up there? Well, um, once I got up there, so on the long story short is when we got denied at the border of Canada, they pulled out all these grow lights out of this bus and they're like, you're not driving through fucking Canada to go to Alaska. You guys are just coming to Canada, so we're not going to let you in. So then um, on the way back, we were going to the ferry. My grandma passed away, so my mom flew me back to Utah. And then um, right before I flew back to Alaska, um, I had to... I got a phone call from the, that group of people and said that they could make it or whatever. So then I just went ahead and went up anyway. And um, yeah, that was like the rest was history from there. You know, hopped off the plane, put my thumb out, asked which way it was to go to a lot, go Girdwood and was picked right up by a guy that was going right to Girdwood that was the lead powder guide in the two gas powder guide and like the helicopter guide up there. Had all like the riders, snowboard from ride snowboards, like Terje, everybody, like the sickest shit I've ever seen in this thing, you know, like just amazing. And we're driving down the coast all the way down to uh, Girdwood and there's these big, huge icebergs that are just covered with dirt. And it was just, you know, it was dark, pitch black, but um, you know, I really could see there was something magical. And then, yeah, I showed up to that hotel, asked for a job and ended up getting a fucking house. So it's pretty epic. So you ended up, you ended up uh, getting up to Alaska. You had no money. None, like 120 bucks. You had 120 bucks. You had all your earthly possessions that were going up to Alaska had been uh, stolen, disappeared, stolen. Technically, Um, yeah, yeah. And um, and so what was like? What was your plan then? Like, what what was? Well, I didn't really have one. I was just kind of like, you know, my plan was to just not go back to Utah and not have to go back to high school, you know. And so I got up there and. Once I got, I knew that you get up there, you can ask, you can go stay at the hostel if you want. And you go to the hotel and you ask for a job and you go fill out your paperwork. Well, I met this guy that was working the front counter when I asked for my, uh, for my uh, application. And he's like, do you need a place to stay tonight? And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, that, that'd be helpful. He's like, well, it's in, uh, it's in Anchorage. Let's just head over there tonight and I'll bring you back in the morning. You can figure out your job thing. So on our way, we stopped by this guy's house because it was his friend. And right when we pulled up, he was like just seriously throwing like duffel bags like out the door. I was like, I'm out of here. Fucking fishing's way better in Maine. I'm leaving. See you later. Hey, Carlos, you want my house? Carlos like, I have like three kids, you know, wife. I live in Anchorage. No, I can't fit in this little cabin. And he points right over at me. He's like, what about you? And I'm like, well, 
I'm broke, bro. I don't have anything. And he's like, well, it's the third of, third of freaking January. You, you can head out. You can head out. Sorry, it's the third of December. Yeah, January. Sorry, January. And uh, he's like, you got all month to pay for it. He's like, I'll figure it out. And like tossed me the keys. And then got into his car and just like, you know, gave, gave Carlos a hug, said, see you later. Got in his cars and it drove off. And I'm like standing there. Carlos looks at me. He's like, you're the luckiest motherfucker I've ever met in my life. <laughs> You know, and then I'm still standing on the front, like not even in the house at all, like just standing out there and he drives away. And so mind you, I'm like a little 17 year old kid, you know, like, you know, not like just never been really on his own like this. And so I go into the house, open the door. There's a beautiful futon on the side. And like I go to open the fridge and it just been packed with like the biggest box of Costco hot dogs, you know, the big old bag of falafel, big old bag of freaking, uh, a pancake mix and i ate that shit for like four months straight i mean that was like <laughs> i lived off that you know it was a super big blessing so what were you doing then as you were getting set up like you, you now you've got your house you're in alaska like what's your first move well I, my first move was to try to get the job at uh at uh the resort and then i had to find someone to pass a p-test in order to be able to work at the, at the uh, resort so found this guy uh, when Drove all the way to um, Anchorage, put in my P test, um, like my fake P or whatever, and then got the results back. And at that time, like, you know, it was kind of funny is that it tested positive for cocaine. And I had like 17 years old. I'd never done that in my life. I was just like, you know, I'd much rather if I can test it positive for weed versus the cocaine. But, you know, long story short, it gave me the job over at the bake shop, which is like all of our snowboarder friends work there. You know, we were able to ride at the resort still because it was kind of affiliated with it. We didn't get every a job. Day. What's that? You didn't get the job at the hotel. Nope. I did not get the job at the hotel. <laughs> so I got the job at the bake shop and the bake shop was really dope. So it's way better. So. Awesome. So what, like what happened from there? Like, you know, what, what progressed from the bake shop? Well, I started kind of hanging out with this crew of people that were, you know, kind of like the weed growers around in town. Um, I started buying weed from them and selling hot, selling eights on the doorstep of the mercantile and it's kind of getting to know people around through that. And then I started dating there their girl, their roommate at the time. And um, then I started helping them with their grow. It was underneath the basement. It was like in the seven foot crawl space underneath their house, 15 lights, all set up with bubble buckets. I mean, they had it like kitted out. And uh, so I started helping them a little bit. And then like one night I could smell the smell in the wall. Like it smelled like shit was burning. And I just kept kind of going over to it, but I couldn't really like figure out what was going on. And then we woke up, went to work. And then finally we get a phone call. And it's uh, Eric. He's like, the house is fucking on fire. I'm going to the hospital with the dogs. Like, I'm, you know, you guys need to get down here. So me and Amy, like, freaked out. And we were, like, hopped in the bus and drove down to the house. I couldn't even drive this bus. Like, the stick shift was just something that, like, buses do. I couldn't figure it out. So just grinding gears the whole way. Pull down. And the house is just completely engulfed. So um, he goes to the hospital for smoke inhalation. And she goes to the hospital with her dogs. And then I like the the fire department asked me like who can vouch for this house and I'm like I'll vouch for this house, so I vouched for the house and stuck around while they got the fire out. So they did the inspection after the fire was out and like I'm like okay good they still haven't looked underneath the crawl space, and then next thing you know I see the guy go pull up a board and then go pull up the other board and I'm like oh shit it's over, and uh, right at that point like just you know the, he's like calls the chief over they look in the basement, he sticks his head down there he looks right up at me he's like you have fucking two and a half hours to get all this shit out of here. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm living in Gerwood, Alaska. This is what it's all about. He's like, the highway patrol will be here in two hours. He's like, get this shit out of here. They took off. And then I just started loading the fucking bus. 
drove it down grinding gears like five or six times down to the house, saved the flower room, um, put it up into my little, I don't know, it was like maybe a 10 by 10 bedroom, just jammed it in there enough to get like, you know, it to live for a couple of days. And uh, they ended up showing back at my place at night. And they're like, just bawling. They're like, we, we lost our house. We're going to jail. This is going to be horrible. And I'm like, here, come look at this. Come look at here in the back room. Like, we don't want to see any weed, bro. We don't care. You know, like, whatever. And I'm like, no, come look at this. And so I opened the door and he's like, holy shit, this is our shit. Like, how the hell did you get this out of the house? And I'm like, the fire department, like, told me to get the shit out of there. And, you know, so what did I do? And they got it out. And long story short, um, Amy's, uh, Amy's a longtime local there. And um, her, her mom was murdered by her brother, um, like, they, when they were really young. And so there's like a whole town story, born local. And so saving those guys out of that thing, um, actually, so you knew like the fire department knew as well. And so that was a huge big, like the, that was my shoe into cannabis right there. So, yeah. what, I mean, once you did that, you were welcomed into the community. And, Fully. Yeah. In every bar, every place, like you name it. Like I didn't have to do shit. Like it was, it was pretty nice. So and started dating a 35 year old lady there that was freshly divorced with all the snowmobiles, like 18 years old, huge, big house. I mean, I was living the dream. It, it was, uh, it's pretty epic. So. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's what, that's what it's about when you look out for your friends. So what, what, what happened next? How long were you, how long did you stay up in Alaska? I was there for about two and a half years. And then I moved back to Utah and I shipped all my grow gear back out to Utah. Um, I was growing weed up there in the hills in a house up there for I don't know, from 2000, from 2000 to 2005. And I worked my way up to like a six light room and was just killing it, selling pounds for 6,400 bucks and big Tupperwares with long spears, growing Mazari Sharif and all like the really dank strains, like <laughs> DJ Shorts, Blueberry, um, like Atomic Northern Lights back then, you know, like really, really, really good herb. You don't even find that shit anymore anywhere. Yeah, you, uh, you actually mentioned on another podcast you did that, when you were in Alaska, just before we move on from that topic, you saw your first 38-day strain. Um, yeah. What was that? It was called the Hill Kill. And they would, um, it was bred out there in Homer. And it was kind of this little Russian kind of community that was back out there. It's like this 20-mile road is what I think it was called. And this, this seriously, this strain would finish out, like fully heavy indica, really heavy indica. I think it was like what they were running all back in the BC back in the day. And like when Mark Emery was up on top and everything. Um, yeah, it was just, it was 38 days, it was done. And it was dank. It was dank. Was it a root, was it a ruderalis or something? It wasn't a ruderalis. It was like this straight, wow. this full like lime green indica that would just, it would knock your socks off. Oh, I wish yeah. we had that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish we had a lot of those strains, like the Matt Nuska Thunderfuck. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, God, dude, there's just so many really good strains, dude. Uh, as somebody who, who saw the MTS, uh, or, or the Matanuska Thunderfuck, is that gone? That's not available. Well, anymore? the whole story was, which I was able to go see it is, um, the Alaska Thunderfuck, which is different than the Matanuska Thunderfuck. Um, the Alaska Thunderfuck was, they actually had it in these old kind of mine shafts and whatever that they were running up over there. It caught fire and burnt down. So the seeds that they got from the Alaska Thunderfuck were moved over to this guy, Matt Nuska. So then they started growing it in Matt Nuska. It's called Matt Nuska Thunderfuck. So it's kind of like an offshoot of what the real true Alaska Thunderfuck is. True. So what were you, what, Mazar al-Sharif, what, what were some of the other cultivars that you were growing 2000, 2005 in Utah? 
Well, I kept that Mazar. I grew that Mazar Sharif all the way into when I moved to uh, California. So I grew that one for six years. And I grew that, uh, it was, uh, what was that thing? That was uh, the Northern Lights number five for another three years up there. I just kind of put them on, on strain. Grew this thing called Hard Hat, Scentsy Star, um, Headband at the time. You know, those were all just really pretty, pretty heavy hitters. The Goo, Half Gooey, Murdered oh, Half Gooey yeah. for years. That's a hash dumper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish it was still around. So. Oh, yeah. I've heard stories that it's like up in Arcata and shit. Like somebody was telling me. I, I got some I, cuts I just, of it two years ago that weren't it. So. It grew really vigorous, too. That, that shit would dump fucking yeah. hash. Yeah, like, all of those. My boys would run a DHO. Yeah. I've never seen it solventless, but I bet it would be fucking amazing. I bet it'd be really good. That, like, we grew some old, like, the New York City diesel. They were just, like, the fat spears that I still have Citrus. Yet seen. Fucking, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen any New York for years. Yeah. 2000 to 2005, Utah. I don't imagine that you're, like, very out and open in the cannabis community. Oh no, far from it. There was no cannabis community. And like, even my friends didn't even come over to my house ever, you know? And so I was lucky enough that the person I was living with, he's a beer brewer. So he worked at the breweries. He would like brew beer all the time. I grew the weed, he brewed the beer. Our fridge was just full of kegs and like glasses. And then like fucking weed, it was, pre it was pretty dope. So we were able to have a pretty good time up there. You, you know, no one else was growing herb up there. And so we were able to, you know, like seriously, it was like 6,400 bucks a pound. I sold my, you know, I sold my uh, quarter pounds just straight up $400 an ounce. And like, usually the people I sold them to were like the dealers anyway. So like I sold those to the people that were hustling the pounds. And, yeah. and uh, through that time, I started doing some driving back in the day um, from like when I was back in Alaska, I started, made, um, started driving like 2000 to 2005, a lot of beasters and shit. I was, packing a lot of heat back in those days <laughs> so during this time um from alaska to utah like how how prevalent is snowboarding in your life like is it something that it's it's mandatory? it was good i mean it was as, it wasn't as prevalent as when i was younger because then i started getting to the rave scene um i started getting to the rave scene really 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 heavily um throwing all the parties doing all that stuff and was completely nocturnal for like three years the utah rave scene oh dude it was the biggest the we had the biggest rave scene in all of the united states besides miami like uh, for for years, it's huge. So, and then it was uh, just because everybody's Mormon there. So if you're Mormon, like, and there's nothing else to do, you know, you find like what's underground. And so, yeah, we had a big scene there for a long time. That was like pre EDM, pre EDM, um, pre yeah. before even that fucking thing was. It was still fucking techno. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I played drum and bass, and I was a drum drum and bass uh, artist for a lot of years. So I still love it. Very it's cool. my favorite. That's what keeps me young. <laughs> you uh did you know nick like rackham's from the scene prior to cannabis um no i didn't but i did know his girlfriend um sure. uh mercedes yeah, yeah. i don't know her for quite some time we used to play records down in santa cruz together oh dude that's so cool yeah um so you're you're uh you're setting up the raves and and, and attending and involved in the rave scene in, in utah then you've got this you know small five lighter going on and you're killing it which like what prompted the move to Cali? Like, was it a desire to get bigger or were you getting pushed out? And there was that and then safety too, as well. Yeah. You know, I felt like if, you know, except I went down in Utah, I'd be fucking brutal. I'd yeah, still be, yeah. I would still be in jail right now. Yeah. You know, probably. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, moving out to California and kind of getting bigger scale, 
Um, I just want, I needed to change the pace too as well. Cause I was like, I was going to fucking kill myself if I stayed in Utah. I was partying really fucking hard. And I was like completely nocturnal and just super unhealthy. A lot of my friends were like, bro, you need to get the fuck out of here. And yeah, I was just, I was raging. So there's two times I actually cleaned up. I moved to California to get cleaned up, you know, which people usually don't. So um, yeah, it was kind of a the complete opposite. So, so were you, were you, you said you were partying a bunch. So, which obviously I, I know a bunch of, I have a bunch of friends that were in Utah during that period of time. Yeah. And it was a pretty heavy, like MDMA, lots of other stuff. Yeah. And that's, yeah. That, so that's cool. kind of like the K-hole, all those crazy fucking things were going on at that oh, time. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I never really liked K. K. Ketamine was the one drug that did me. I like the like to do drugs, not the drugs to do me. You know, so <laughs> yeah. it was kind of, I stayed away from that one. That's I knew the ones to stay away from, but then got heavily in everything else. So. Ketamine's like a drug hug for sure. Yeah, it is. There's no, it is. You turn into mouch mode, the man on couch. Drug hug. Yeah. Yeah. So. Drug hug, and you're like hovering above yourself and doing. Yeah, that's why you think about all the shit whatever. you're gonna quit, you're gonna do, and then you get done. You're like, I'm not doing that shit. Hell no. So well, you gotta mix good. it with other drugs so that you have a remote control and you can yeah. kind of go in different directions. Otherwise, <laughs> I mean, wait a second. Don't do anything we're saying right now. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> this is past history. If you haven't right done here. that, then don't do that. So <laughs> don't do that. But yeah. when we were stupid and young, that was the kind of shit you know, that we did and that we thought, and I, and I just, when you, when you were talking about that era in Utah, it just reminded me of everything that I knew that was kind of going on in Utah. So that's crazy yeah. that you were like right smack dab in the middle of all that. I probably, I probably was the ringleader too. So <laughs> <laughs> are the, uh, are the, is the Amish community specifically like the adolescents consuming cannabis or not really because it's too, no, the Amish, you mean no. Mormon? Sorry, Mormon. Yeah. Sorry. Mormon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Mormons, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of smokers up there, you know, yeah. um, there's a ski resort town, a lot of people puff, Park City's really fucking, you know, pretty heavy with that. No, but I mean, in, in specifically in the, the Mormon culture, like, are they, is it, is it, would they rather be doing hard drugs like MDMA and going to raves? Because like, you can kind of like. Well, no, I think that. it's just, there. I think everybody would just rather kind of not go to church and be with this bland, you yeah. know, family that doesn't have any culture. And so a lot of people, like, if you're, like, really inbred with this white culture, you don't have any flavoring in your fucking food. It's just, you know, white culture. A lot of these kids starve just like I did for other culture. You know, like, why I moved to Oakland is that I wanted to be the minority. And when I moved to Oakland, like, I was right there for eight years, right on High Street in San Leandro. Like, right in the thick of it, running four warehouses. I mean, it was like the Melrose place for pot growers. It was the oh, yeah. shit. You know, it was like everybody grew there. You could like walk over to your neighbors and borrow a cup of pH up. Like, hey, bro, That's you know, so can cool. I get some pH up? And it was great. It was practically legal, to be honest with you. Because you'd be I like, mean, it was. I mean, it was at that point. Like, if the cops came over, if you were robbed, like, they didn't care. They didn't really bother you or anything like that. Was this during, like, was this after 215? Yeah, that was after 215. I was there from 2007 to 2014. Okay. And yeah, then I moved I was up there the, the same time. time up to Mendocino. So I was bouncing from Oakland to Lake County, um, back and forth. And I was going like every other day, every other day for, you know, quite a few years until I went to jail. And what then you, uh, got popped, your, I got popped in 2012. What's your setups look like? Uh, indoor? At the yeah. place there? We had... Um, Tell us the I, whole story yeah, about well, what happened with getting popped. Okay. So... Uh, Please. Yeah, long, if you want to hear the story. So this is the... Uh, so I used to bounce back and forth from, I had this place down in Lower Lake. Um, we used to call ourselves the Morgan Valley Mafia because we were out in Morgan Valley. We all of us grew there, a bunch of our homies out there. 
And uh, I'd bounce like every other day. I'd go water the farm up at the ranch, I mean, up at the up in Lake County, go to Harbin Hot Springs, go back in the morning, and then I you know, water the rest of the plants and then drive to Oakland. Then I'd take care of Oakland, wake up that morning, drive up to Lake County. And I did that for like three years solid. Like seriously, put 200 miles on my truck within like no time at all. Um, we never, in, in Lake County, we always never trimmed up there. We always shipped everything back down to uh, Oakland to the warehouses because it was just a lot easier to work with during the winter time and then uh this one year we decided that we were going to trim up at the ranch and uh, you know we're like screw this. this is a lot of weed we're not trucking this down the hill and um so oh wow i'm like reliving this fucking nightmare it's fucking crazy so um any which way i go back down it's harvest time we're putting stuff in like everything's hanging up it's done it's beginning of november i take off down to Oakland with my girl to go check on out some shit or whatever. And I leave the kids up there. Trimmers are starting to come back up. And then uh, I get a phone call from the, uh, the tr- some of the trimmers and like, Hey, Zeb, this is the guy that's working for me. It's like, Hey, Zeb's acting really fucking weird. We think he's falling off the wagon because I, I cleaned him up off of heroin. Um, he had like been super sober for like six months like doing proper. And then finally I paid him this big old fat paycheck and he's able to go get his teeth fixed. And so he goes to the, goes to the uh dentist they write him what a prescription for painkillers right because it's teeter so he goes back goes back to the farm and just completely falls off the wagon you know like and he's one that would kind of could carry a gun around and he was super gun responsible so he always had a gun on his hip you know just like just what you needed to do at that time so then um so i get that phone call and I, so i go back up there and once I get up there, he's all nodded out and just foaming at the mouth and just really just fucked up. So I'm like, bro, you need to go into the, you need to go into the trailer, get some rest. I'm going to go to the backfield, get these kids bucking down this weed and putting it into bins. I'll be back up here in a minute. Do not leave. I'm like, do not fucking leave this ranch. It's like, if you leave this ranch, we are done. I'll pay you more, but we are done as friends. You are not able to drive. So I get up from running at the back and, uh, he uh he's at the front gate just like nodded out in his truck in the front seat and i'm like oh fuck he's trying to drive away so me knowing he's got a gun on him and everything i'm like kind of slow putting my hands into the car so i can get so i can get the keys and then um and so i as soon as i reached in there and turned the car off he felt the truck shake and woke right up and like looked right at me it's like hey bro sorry i'm just moving my car i'm just moving my car i'm like dude you cannot leave I was like, I've called your wife. She's going to come get you. And he freaks out. He's like, what? You fucking have called my wife? Because he didn't want her to see him like that. So then he fucking just guns it, fucking smashes through the gate, fucking flying down the road. And so I run back. I'm hauling ass down the hill. I go uh, go get the four-wheeler. I'm flying up to go get meet him. And then he, as soon as I show up to see him, he's like, his wife pulls right up. And um, he gets like, opens the door and just falls straight onto his back. Just like, boom, you know. Gets up, flips me off, flips her off, gets back in the truck and drives off. And I'm like, oh, shit, dude. Like, this is not good. So he ends up rolling the truck on his way out, um, fucking somewhere down the road. They found the gun. They went back to his house. They fucking found he's been stealing weed from me. And then uh, and then he, uh, so then they found a lumber receipt in his car, which I don't think he did. I think he narked on me. Uh, so then they showed up at my place, um, fucking Foley busted everybody, pulled everything out, fucked up my whole ranch, cut up everything. It was just really kind of a big mess. I sent, we we had just barely passed them or something when I was going to go get gas that day. And uh, 
So then um, I get this phone call from the ranch guy that's next door. He's like, dude, the cops are going to your place. And I, so I sent Lindsay back and I'm like, I'm going to stay back. I'm going to deal with all the lawyers. I'm going to deal with all, like, I have all of our books for our 215 stuff. So I'm calling lawyers and everything down there at this bar. And I'm calling back up and I'm calling back up. And I'm like, you know, just, I got a hold of Lindsay for a while. It's my girl at the time. And then it, like, I could, then I couldn't get a hold of her. And then I got a hold of this guy and I, I kind of had a fishing suspect that it was a cop. And I'm like, asking him all these personal questions and the guy answered every single one of them. It's like every three, what's your favorite beer? What's your thing, favorite thing to smoke out of? Blah, blah, blah. He answered every single one of them. And then, uh, so I was like, okay, cool. But he kept asking me where I was at. And then, um, I finally was like, you know, when you grab my truck, when they let you leave, just come and pick me up. I'll hop right out on the road. And you'll come see me. So as soon as like, I get a hold of him again, he's like, okay, we're leaving. All of a sudden, I see my truck coming down the road. So then I go running out. And next thing you know, like, I am swarmed by like 40 cops. Like, no shit. The whole shebang, squat, everybody. Like, get on the ground. And like, cops got out of my truck. And I was like, what the fuck are you guys doing to my truck? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, why are you guys in my vehicle? You know, right now. And, I'm like, and they're like, are you, like, you Kyle Greenalch? I'm like, yeah, I'm Kyle Greenalch. And they're like, well, do you own the property? I'm like, yeah, I own that property. And I was like, but I have no, and you have no right to ask me. And you can't tell me that I, that I live there. And they're like, get in the fucking car. And like, just smashed me on the ground. They're like, no way. We're not even here in this shit. Took me. So when I showed up to jail, that friend that I thought that I was asking was in jail already. Like, I don't know how this guy knew. I don't know how, what happened. But like, so I knew it wasn't my friend that was turning me in. So long Bro, story he, like, he like cold guessed the dude's favorite beer. He just yeah. he guessed it. Guessed it. Bro. Like, I have no idea. Maybe saw like a bottle sitting there, like luckily. But then this friend's like, his his favorite thing was to smoke out of a hookah, and there was no hookah at the at the at the ranch, you know. So it was like really is super fishy. So long story short, that was nuts. Hey, I'm gonna grab a hoodie real quick because I'm freezing. My house is freezing. I'll be right back. Yeah, for sure. That's what I want to ask is like, couldn't they have? Couldn't the friend have like given the information and then they took him over to jail, and then they went and got Kyle, and then they bring Kyle to jail, and his friend's already there. Yeah, straight up. I mean, that's yeah. weird. They'd be like, what is your favorite way to smoke? There's weed? no way you could get the hookah. Hey, Kyle, right. my question's this. Thank Wait. you, guys. I'm sitting over here shivering right now. Woo. Uh-huh. So my question is this. Um, if you're, do you think it was possible that the police actually, that your friend actually answered the questions and then the police took him to jail? No, because then- I was watching that road the whole time. There was only one way in and one way out. Okay. Okay. And so I watched every car that went by. And you asked him if they... Like, cause like, if if they're taking your friend in and they just ask him nonchalantly, like, "Hey, by the way, what what is your favorite way to smoke?" Like, he might yeah. give that up because it's like that's not. I'm yeah, not maybe they could have done that, like, kind of nonchalantly while they were in the car or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, like, hey, man, this weed stuff's not that big a deal. Uh, you yeah. know, I have an uncle who does it anyway. What do you? How do you like? I don't know. That's fucking. Yeah, wild, exactly. Man. I can see. I can see how the cops are super tricky like that for that's sure. Wild. So yeah, um, that's. So I ended up doing six months in Lake County. Yeah. After that, um, plus it was like almost a two-year case. So I went to time, did time over there um, in 2014, and then got out, and then just went straight fucking completely legal. You know, like shut down my warehouses, moved up to Mendo, sold my ranch up there, which was kind of a bummer because it was totally just totally paid off. And 72 acres in Lake County, um, I could have probably sold it to all those guys that were trying to come in and blow it up for a couple mil and been done. Yeah. But and then I wouldn't be doing the shit I'm doing now. So, uh, well, everything yeah. happens for a reason. Yeah, no, it does big time. 
you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be anywhere else, bro. Right. Other than right here, right now, for sure. Yeah. Like I'm, so I feel very blessed with the team that I have, yeah. you know, with everything. I mean, it hasn't been easy, but boy, fuck, it's, it's worth it, bro. It's really worth it. So. Yeah. And I mean, you, you've been doing this for a long time. Like, man, it's, it's so cool to hear this story. So, to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to skip ahead. I want, you know, you, you, you get out, of, you get out of jail yeah. and you are, you, you shut down the, the everything. And then your, your idea, your mindset is I'm going to move up to Mendo. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything completely legal. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't completely legal. Cause I got a place up, you know, that was down right when I got there, I moved on, like I moved the 20 lighter up there. I was completely broke, mind you, at this point. I'd gone through everything. Like, I lost the relationship that I've been in for five years. But right before I went to jail, I met Coral, my wife now. <clears throat> and so um, she was able to go do her thing for a while and then came back right before I was in jail, right before I was out of jail and be able to take care of this farm I was doing up there. I had a 20 lighter and I had this other 50 plant garden that was right below the ranch where I have now. Um, and I was like, yeah, then I was running that shit from jail. You know what I mean? I was, you know, got it set up and then went to jail. And then, um, so yeah, we went and we grinded to do that. I sold my place in Lake County, then bought my big ranch up here in Willits. And we were able to get, um, you know, the only way I was going to be able to get on, you know, like do what we wanted to do was to get on some paper. Right. So I, I was still on probation. My girl got us the license. And this is right when uh, Mendocino went back to the tag time. And I was super nervous, dude. Like, so her name was on everything. I was the renter. I mean, I was like the landlord. Like, it was just, like, that's how I fucking did it. And uh, long story short, we did really well for a while. And then um, we're able to expand and expand some more and expand some more. And then I got the opportunity to take over a dispensary that was up here called Pure. So I spent, you know, whatever money I had made up between that point, like 40 grand or something like that to rebuild this dispensary because I was promised 50%. So I dumped everything that I had it at that time into that. In the meantime, my girl calls me up. This just not so long. And she's like, dude, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. And I just bought like a skid steer, you know, all this other shit. So I returned the skid steer <laughs> right off the bat. And then, um, you know, then finished opening up the, the dispensary. And then it was like six months before uh, Prop 64 was going into effect in 2018. Mm -hmm. And then, so we went recreational and the day that we went recreational, uh, we saw triple the door swings. I mean, we were seeing like $1,200 days at that point at the first, cause that's, you know, that's all right in Mendo to like five to $6,000 days. And it was just overnight. And so we were doing really well and we ended up, but it only took maybe about 45 days until the owner saw what we, was going on and we were making some money and I just built this place beautiful and I rebuilt it just gorgeous. And um, started taking everything back, started taking all the deposits, started doing all this other shit, started make, losing all my vendor relationships, doing all this stuff that was just really brutal to where it kind of like we made this trip go, to go down to L.A. And all this kid could talk about was money. Like he was just like talked about the money, 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 all those people you can make money off of. And I just started getting sick of it. And I was just like, dude, I'm so sick of this relationship right now. And this, I'll chime in more about this, like that, that thought pattern, pattern anyway, a little bit later. But, you know, where it started making it feel really unspecial. And so, just like I said, with, like, you know, the racing when I left, it made me, it was unspecial. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to move on. And so, I really was like, okay, cool. Um, we I got the gist that he didn't want me there anyway. So, I used it kind of as a as a kind of escape route to get out. So, I used that to get out. Um, 
got all my money back. He gave me, you know, roughly about 50 K back, got, took everything that I put in there out of it. If it wasn't attached to the walls, I fucking took it. And then I made him start back up over again. So then at the meantime, at the same time too, as well, I had my eyes on this building and it's right before my son was born. My son was born on March 26th. So I saw this building and I been, I begged the guy, the, the, the owner of the building says for rent for like two months, dude, I drove around 15 grand in my fucking car. Cause the day that he told me I could have it, I was like, bro, I got 15 grand in my car right now, right now. At the moment you give me the renting, I was like, I will drop it off for you and I'll pay like a year's rent, you know? And so finally he says, yes, like right two days after my son's birthday, I mean, he was born rocked up, gave him that money. And then, so yeah, it was, uh, started doing, started building heritage right then. Fuck yeah. so, so did you have the vision for it from the beginning? Like was, was heritage? Not all the way. Yeah. I had the vision of what heritage would be. And, and I had, I had the vision of building a place, but not a, but not a hash rate. Um, I knew that we were going to be making hash there, but that was more involved of like really, because all it became part of was like the architecture, like all like the, getting the cannabis license was the easy part. You know, it was like the, getting like the building permits, getting everything to go through city approval, like all that shit. It was a nightmare. You know, well, Title I mean, 24, everything that you have to do, you know, I'm ret I retrofitted a 1940s building, you know, and so it, if I would have built a new building, it would have been fine, but this building was built in 1940. And everything <laughs> I did made it stronger. So then, therefore, it had to be re-engineered. And, and so you also, just, you, also put, you also put a hash processing facility as well as a retail store. Yeah. Same civic address. Like, I mean, that that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot for any municipality so yeah. like i can only imagine well they uh, were stoked on it you know so when i was building the place and i'm like okay i'm gonna put the hash room over here and i was like well, what am i doing putting a wall right here so you can't see it you know and i was like okay you know like we're putting in a window right here you're gonna be able to see all this stuff you know, you know what we're gonna be we're gonna be a hashery and so it started kicking into my you know as i was building this place like it was starting to be coming into like the processes and then well, as I'm getting supplies and running to the dump, there's this place in town, like this John Foster trucking. And he he's the kind of guy that like retrofits Connexes, retrofits all this like weird shit. You bring like stash metal to him. This is the type of guy. And um, I drove by his place and I saw that tank that we have right now, the one that we retrofitted. Saw that over there and I was like, and I've been making hash since fucking, you know, since the beginning of time, I swear to God, 98. So, I mean, right, right then and there is when we started using bubble bags. It was like early 2000. So I saw the machine and I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. This is actually super perfect for this. It's like, if I raise it up off the ground, if I do this. So I asked him if I could buy it. And he's like, well, you can buy it, but it might be stolen. And so I'll get, you know, like, I'll let you know here in a month or two. And I'm like, well, how much do you want for it? He's like, 1200 bucks. I'm like, 1200 bucks. Okay, good. Yeah, I will, you know, so months and months went by where I was like, hey, have you talked to the sheriff yet? I want to get the machine. And then, so finally, like, it was the last day I was building this big wall and I had to put this door in and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to go over and ask him one last time. And I go over there and I'm like, Hey bro, I'll give you $1,700 for that machine right there. You know, 1700 bucks. And he's like, Oh man, I really wish I could. Let me call the sheriff real quick. He's like, but I don't think he's going to release it. And then, um, sure enough, as soon as I finished that wall and finished that door, I put my nail gun down, got a phone call. And he's like, Hey bro, you can come pick up the machine. And I was like, dropped everything, you know, and just ran over, grabbed that machine. And like, I remember making a post about it when I first got it for, in the trailer and people were for, just like, what the fuck, dude? For the people who haven't had the absolute pleasure of visiting uh, Heritage Mendocino, your shop in Ukiah, 
Um, can you describe the machine, the, the vessel that you're talking yeah. about? So for sure, it's um, it's a top-driven propeller, but the propeller goes in from the side and at an angle. So it's got two different types of angles on it. Um, it was a machine that was built in 1986 for stirring curd, for doing high-pressure curd, you know, doing thick material. And the motor that it had on it when we picked it up was like water-cooled. I mean, it was definitely an old, like 1986, like a freaking, you know, like a 454 up in a thing, you know. So we, I have a good friend, his name Jason. Um, he's a bioengineer and he's a bio, um, he does like a lot of the bottling lines and a lot of other like brewery stuff too as well. He got me in touch with like the people to retrofit the new motors. We saw that thing and we retrofitted the whole new motor. We got new, new hydrofoils built for it um and just kind of specified everything that was going off from there i had a two inch port in the bottom i welded a four inch port in the bottom just knowing like one day i was uh unfortunately using the restroom and i was like you know what dude if i can get that down that hole then i probably can get some material down that four inch hole so then we welded a big old freaking you know four inch port on the bottom so now like there's no climbing into the machine there's no nothing that last load when you're spinning on that third third run you just flush it out the bottom through the bags and kind of catch out and rinse at the time going as it's spinning slowly and you don't even you just spray it up it works better than what we really thought you know so we were as like 15 grand into the machine before we even turned it on maybe before we even knew it was going to work and the moment that we like kicked it on we were like holy cow it like it, it works better than anything so so nice. we're, we're actually going into business building those purposely built right now so we're gonna actually get taking that same model and that same concept oh, that's so cool but yeah but doing it the right proper way awesome Fuck yeah. So, yeah so you're getting into the equipment manufacturing we are we are that's my pivot so congrats, i'm i've been a cultivator for 25 years um as y'all have said before i'm stopping right now i'm gonna stop for a while um to start um brian that you guys have talked to before you know um the brandist yeah he told me one time you know just because i've been having a really hard time he's like bro just because you're not growing doesn't your weed doesn't mean you're not growing he's like if you're going to be growing you're going to growing your business so like the last year and a half of like opening heritage trying to run that trying to run my farm trying to do everything and having a new baby blah 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 you know i really came to focus that like my really my team at heritage needs me like hyper focused at heritage and I've built something that's special and I need to make sure that I follow through with that next vision that I have that's bigger than just cultivating cannabis. I'm not saying that that cultivating cannabis isn't a huge thing because, you know, it massively is, but it's not. I can use this now as to like to support our industry, to support our teams and the farmers behind me, you know, and if I use this the correct way, then I can step back on cultivating cannabis and hopefully help other farms too along the way. So that's my decision on my pivot right now. Um, I'm really making like a big, a big move just to really kind of support my wife while she's being pregnant, you know, not drinking, not doing anything. It's a really big shift for me right now in my life to where, you know, if I'm going to make this role, you know, I'm, I've got to make some big steps. So, so I've taken an opportunity now is that I'm going to, you know, I'm not growing cannabis, but I am harvesting some other people's fucking farm, uh, farm that's down there in Sebastopol. So we're going to be uh, cataloging all this fresh frozen there, making these, uh, you know, beautiful catalog of what's going on there and hopefully start uh, getting into the fresh frozen game. So a little bit more. You've done some some really cool stuff with the shop. Like not only have you been able to bring a really like focused retail experience towards solventless ash consumption, but also worked with a lot of farmers in, in, yeah. in 
very, very unique ways. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, how you how you worked with those farmers and the, the economic conditions that kind of forced those relationships to come about? Yeah, I mean, we we work with our farmers the best we possibly can. I mean, it's um, a lot of a lot of the product that we get is a lot from me. Um, it's from my farm, Bon Vivant. But, you know, we've had like of the, as like our re- recent success and everything, John from Huckleberry working with the White Thorn Rose and a few other other farms that we've been working with. Um, yeah, we have the rare opportunity to work with something that's very unique that's actually helped our team really build some rapport. And not even though they already didn't have it, but really, it really put us on the map working with John. Um, yeah, so we try to do these things like where we do splits and we do farm splits and then we kind of do a rev share thing that we've been doing with our farmers. Um, but, it, you know, I'll tell you what, the last three months until just after July 5th, you know, it was everybody was at a freeze. You know what I mean? So we were there. So here we are doing mass production, like producing like a motherfucker. And and then no one's buying bulk. You know what I mean? Everybody's at a freeze because they don't want to pay, pay cultivation tax. But, but, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, and then the economy's kind of slip in. So then right after July 5th, boom, like finally things are just starting to fly. You know, it was like next thing you know, like it was actually business is starting to pick really good back up again. So super positive. But. Last three months were brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's good as well. Yeah. What um what what kind of like uh trends are you seeing in the in the solvent market in Cali? Right? Well, the, I'm seeing that it's trendy. You know, I'm seeing that it's really now getting into the trend. I'm seeing really now that people are at the race to the bottom. Um, but that's the point of and that's the beautiful part about hash is that like people that have been in the hash game know what fucking good hash is. And a lot of people, if they're going to go to the store to buy hash, they're going to go buy good hash, you know. And so you have a lot of these other companies that are coming out that are reintroducing terpenes, not in a good way either. Um, you know, they're hitting the market at fifteen dollars wholesale. I mean, they're really—it's a lot of people that are are shifting from like the solventless world to, I mean, the solvent world to the solventless. And then, but all those guys now are being like, "Fuck, we can't scale this shit." And to be able to scale this, you have to have someone that's a real big artist behind it to be able to put really good product. You're not just putting, you're not just blasting socks and seeing what the outcome's coming out. You have to rinse it well. You have to store it well. You have to like be a pro at pro, like the post processing. You have to like on all those things. Like if you're right, you have an artist that fucking takes care of each one of those sectors. You know, I've got Bell that takes care of like the washing and the making of the hash and does that stuff, which is to her technique is just amazing to watch and then you have brian that he's supposed he's the post process manager and he's just you know he loves to tinker and he just is always in there just tinkering and doing a really good job but he knows what he's doing and you know for the forefront of like we really we care more about quality than what like than just really what's going on out there but we also produce produce for a lot of companies rosin a lot of companies that you see out there is probably our rosin in it so and you so you do um so you're mainly doing the grow and the procurement and, and, and then managing the operations overhead yeah. of everybody that's there. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a serious micromanager that I'm trying to not be a micromanager. It works really well at my farm. I can micromanage like a boss, but doing that type of thing over at heritage doesn't work. You need to really help let those guys go. And, you know, they, and then you're also dealing with artists. They very, you know, they're very particular with what their needs are and they need to be met. And it's, you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. So, so you you mentioned that you guys were getting. I'm just curious. You're you're getting into fresh frozen stuff. Yeah. Is that going to be? Because um, we have pipeline. So yeah. Is that going to be like a 
um, lining up farmers that you know, because you you said you weren't going to grow anymore. Well, just lining up farmers that you know, but also just building a catalog that's actually got this data driven. You know, um, since we can actually do that, everything will be, have test washes. Everything will have. And we also have a new thing that's going to be coming out. Um, I I will talk about this probably this next week um, after this kind of ordeal is a little bit more done. But we have a special way of actually um, of uh, storing the product that's coming out. Um, uh, it's actually with like a pod like a like a connex like a shipping pod that runs itself for three days on a fuel cell um you can drop ship it anywhere drop it anywhere and like um i'll explain all about it, the partnership that we've got going on there but it cools down to negative 80 degrees if you want to go negative 80 but it, you know you don't have to but just certain things that we're really trying to number one create the shipping way of doing this a lot better doing like the results a lot better and like also helping out a far, uh, the farmers and they with true data and true samples and true yield, yield reports so people that are going into buying this stuff that they actually have that behind it. And, but then also at the same time too, it, 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 I can take that back and be like, we can toll process that for you too. So that's awesome. You know, it's kind of like the, the whole niche of everything. So, so you'll be able to line them up with the material and process the stuff. Yep. Yep. Awesome. And you guys can white label on top of that, which is yep. great. Exactly. So I'm taking this job and I'm getting paid and fresh frozen for this job because nobody has got really cash right now. So we're, I'm doing this job for a lot of fresh frozen that's going to come back and go into heritage. So then that whole thing is going to be a big influx of investment. So we can really kick off, kick off our second round. You know, we and that unit is that unit connected to, you said it was a partnership. Is it connected to uh, the, the fresh frozen sales company or what's the, the yeah, I mean, yes, that's what they want to get into for sure. Uh, but that context, it's not just used for cannabis. It's actually for produce all over the world. Um, it's actually being done. So like if you get shipped mail produce and you don't have the right power, because the majority of those things don't have the right power, you can get that truck dropped there and it'll run itself for three days. Um, and then, so it's, it's, it's for the whole big conglomerate, but we're, are hyper-focusing right now on the fresh frozen with cannabis right now. Nice. And hopefully we can start using that to ship hash other places. We can ship hash over to freaking Italy, you know, you name it. So like when it's that good, that's go time. You know, it'd be really badass to be able to start using those type of things to really, you know, get out and branch out into this world. What are you guys, what are your thoughts on um, resin blending and mixing? Like, are you guys doing a lot of that in, in the lab or do you guys tend to try and stay within the, the culture? Well, there's goods and bads. Some can be good. You know, some strains that can be like a beautiful white color, but then just super monotone terpene. You know what I mean? Don't really have much behind it. But they got the color and the pillow about it. So you have to really look at it as two factors. You know, you got your business side. And then you also got like what people and the customers also want too as well. They want pretty color. want sort of certain things. So some things you can find it's like super loud that might not have the best color. Maybe a little bit darker. It's got some flavor to it. Phenomenal flavor. Mixing those two things together. It helps out. And you can do that type of nature in a blend. Um, but we've really tried to stick away from doing blends um also too as well as we've learned the hard way um you know number one is because we want the strains to like represent themselves but number two when you mix two farms together say it's a two different type of farms and then you fail on one load and so that batch fails for some sort of like you know some sort of like uh pesticide or whatever that came through you have no one to no one to blame but the extractors because we're the ones that mix that material from two different farms so you don't know who did what you know what I mean? So it's really hard to track down the source, which we were able to 
but we'll never do that again. Like we don't mix any other farmer's stuff with any other farmers ever. I mean, you could, you could introduce an SOP where you test the stuff before you run it. You could, I mean, yeah, most of the part, we, most of the parts we usually do, but I mean, most of the farms, like, you know, and especially that farm, like they're pretty dang regenerative, you know what I mean? And so it's, um, you know, this er early organic pyganics, they'll pop. And I'll let you guys know right now, like those, you know, pyganics and all that shit in the early phase, when you get into extraction, those things, they, it's so minute, it's ridiculous because any other state, it would be fine. But in California, what, did, you know, what like, did it pop for? It was like a synthetic pyrethrin. I guess so it's like, uh, so uh, like, or, like uh, whatever I just said before that. Um, well, py pyrethrin is like a crushed chrysanthemum flower. So it's yeah. like an all natural. It's an all natural. Pyrethrins are, uh, yeah, but they're, but they're banned in, in the California. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. in Oregon, Oregon, you can use them all day. But yeah, I heard they got banned because um, people were using pyrethrin bombs indoors. Yeah. And what would happen is the, they'd blast off the bombs and then they'd soak the ceiling. Yeah. And then later on, when the rooms would sweat, the ceilings would, would drop the pyrethrum onto even later harvests after yeah. they were not doing oh, that wow. shit anymore. Yeah. So, because of that, they banned them outright because of, of how they can get into like porous areas and then release themselves afterwards. And shit. Yeah. Yeah. They're, it's weird stuff. I think, but like in a greenhouse, it's fucking totally safe. Like you'd never have an issue. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it is what it is, but I mean, when you're testing per, per billion or whatever, or parts yeah, per billion or whatever, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. So. Yeah. It's a little too much. I mean, there's, I, I've heard that there's more radiation in the potatoes that you eat. Yeah. Than what's allowed in Massachusetts to be in the cannabis that you consume. Oh yeah. And it's it's just like what the fuck? It's it's overregulation. But I think a lot of the stuff's settling out and, and hopefully yeah. it gets kind of figured out. But I mean it's not gonna happen quickly. You know what I mean? I think a lot Nothing like a lot of the stuff where we're we're embedded in right now with this industry, it's you know, yeah, we got some, we got a lot of good relief off with oh with the cultivation tax. I mean, that helps out a lot. You're not gonna see the the pro the price uh, back up on the flower. It's not going to be trickled back into the flower bulk cells, but you'll see it back again with, if you work with like, you know, like with, co with concentrate artists or with extractors and stuff, because, you know, mind you now they're able actually to take your, take your stuff for a little bit more money, but actually like those guys have a margin too, you know, like we're finally actually seeing like that, that cultivation tax was all of our margin. After I've like looked at the book for the whole years, like everything that we were making after distribution, after all the cultivation tax, you name it, that $150 a pound, that was a margin, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you're spending $10,000 on rosin, but you're spending $3,000 of that on fucking, you know, on cultivation tax, you know, what are you, what are you left well, wasn't the Wasn't the cultivation tax like uh, $24 or something or 40 something dollars per wet pound? Yeah, correct. Okay. So, so what's the, the we think out to be around $150 a pound dry. So. Oh, a dry pound. Yeah. Yeah. Dry pounds are 150. Now they're 161, but, but now they're nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, the most thing that I really kind of really irks me about the taxes is, um, the most, the biggest part that really, I wouldn't have a problem paying an excise tax. I mean, I think it could be a lot lower, but, um, my biggest problem with that is that, you know, that money's being taken outside of our community. Yeah. Where's know, none of that money is staying in our communities. None of those places, like all of our customers that are in there spending their dang good money are, it's, it's not going back to our schools. It's not going back to our roads. It's not going back to like anything to help our community. It's being ripped out over this big huge state of California that thinks that they have no like clue to like how to, you know, run every system that's going on out there. 
So I guarantee you, like as much as you have majority of like three quarters of the state that doesn't allow um, allow dispensaries, if you told them that they could keep fuck seventy five percent of that money, the state was like, hey, guess what? We're gonna give your city seventy five percent of this excise tax. Every one of those cities would be like, we're in, and every single one of those places would actually start allowing like you know dispensaries and stuff. Why? Because they were getting money from the state not from like their community. The state was reimbursing that back into their communities. You'd see schools fly over. You'd see freaking roads be better. You would see everything be way better. But in result, we have a hundred billion dollars of excess taxes, excess, excess taxes in California. That's like all the money. So you're talking about politics and politics doesn't have the same math that everything else has. No, it's a totally different fucking math. Like I read a thing the other day that said, of all the money that and weapons that went to the Ukraine, thirty percent of the weapons got to the Ukrainians. The yeah. rest of it goes in fucking bribe and this and that and stolen yeah. and yeah. So it's politic political math is way different because of greed and because of all this other shit. It's it's yeah. so sad, but and I mean the way I look at it is as long as they're not spending the money they're making on enforcement, yeah, then high fucking five. And they're yeah. not. You know, well, I mean, metrics, they, they are know. spending it though. That's what that's what they're doing up in Northern California. The money that they're making, they, you know, and they've already said it before, is to enforce the black market. And I mean, and right now, I mean, you know, Southern Oregon's getting hit like a mother right now. I mean, Southern Oregon's not a pretty sight to be in. You know, they got heavily funded, and I mean, like all we're all licensing things. You know, it's what's going over into the black market. That's just, you know, serving people abatement notices, giving all like people like. Right now, like you, you can buy a property up here in Mendocino for a pretty cheap penny, you know, and a lot of them, you know, before yeah. like, but last year you couldn't find one, you know, it was, you know, people were, people were buying everything they could. And, and do you think that that was like the last stand of holding out hope and, and now it's, it's, you know, a, a, a mass exodus, like it's everybody saying or. What are your thoughts on? I think that I mean I think the fucking big key players are sticking around. I mean I think if you got balls and if you're used to this shit, you've been doing it for a long time. You know you've been, you've lost before, you've been robbed before, you've been done before. Like you you know how to handle this stuff. It's hard, but that's also too as well as like if you're able to make over six figures of a year, you know, say what what if you make one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year? That's good money, right? It's pretty decent. You know, you can make a living. You could kind of, you know, you could be you raise your family off of that type of nature. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't really realize that they you could still make it a living that way. You know, if you're not making five hundred thousand dollars a year and then be able to take your winner off, no, you have to freaking work all year now. Now, you know, you have to keep everything really tight. You have to watch all your budget. You couldn't just go freaking to the grocery store and spend, you know, forty thousand dollars and fucking call it good. If you watch everything, you reuse everything, you do everything, and. uh then you'll be able to make it. You know what I mean? But I mean, for the last, this isn't like a short game at all right now. This is definitely a long game. But if you haven't built a brand or if you're not working with a brand or if you're not working to like make sure that like you've established a good pipeline between other brands, then I'm sorry, dude. I mean, as much as it is, like if you spent the last three or fucking four years up on the hill doing fucking nothing, thinking you're just going to grow weed and you just were like waiting for like that open arms of bulk sales, you're going to be in your, it's going to be hard. But if you've been like cultivating relationships, building other people's brands, mind you, or building your own brand or investing into like even just good infrastructure to where your business really helps run itself as like a cultivation place. A lot of the people that are succeeding up here now, they're broke, 
but they're still working and it's moving and it's fluid, they invested into infrastructure. They bought nice greenhouses that were easy. They bought nice dry rooms. They bought everything that you're supposed to do before you fucking get the chicken coop. You know, you know, before you get the chickens, you get the chicken coop. And so a lot of those people in Lake County, they didn't do, you know, they're planning all this acreage and where the fuck do they dry it all? Now, yeah. one of them was like, okay, cool. We're going to put up a big dry shed and we're going to put this in here first. And then we're going to see how much weed we can probably fit in here. We're going to plant that much. Yeah. No, it was like, it was a shit show, you know? Sours got hit really hard this last year, so they couldn't grow this year. Like a lot of those places, there's a lot of places that aren't cultivating this year. Mm -hmm. So, you think it was because of greed, or what do you think? Well, well, that? yeah, because of greed. Because I mean, everybody thinks. I mean, if you get stars in your eyes, I mean, I like I got stars in my eyes. You know, like you want to grow a lot of weed, you want to be able to do it. You think you're going to be able to come up, but a lot of people have bigger stars. You know, they want to be able to create the biomass for that own company, and at end result. All that biomass was coming from a lot of us, like me, you know, I was, I was providing for Blue River, you know, Guild, like a ton of people for Joe from Gold Drop for years. You know, I grew for hash, you know, I took the tops for flour, I sold the rest for hash and I cultivated all of those collabs very well. And I started pushing Bon Vivant pretty hard, but then, you know, when I built Heritage, I knew it was something that was more relatable. I mean, it was more, more relatable than what Bon Vivant was. It kind of brought our kind of culture in. Um, I had been talking with Frenchie for multiple years before that and the documentaries and everything that he was filming and created a really good relationship with Frenchie. And, you know, he, like the people that were doing the documentary up there were able to tell, you know, a beautiful story. Um, yeah, and I think that, I'm, you know, it's, it's really scary for our culture right now. You know what I mean? But... I mean, I'm told every day, you know, just to stay positive and whatever, but I, it's, you, you really, it don't get stuck up on the hill. You got to get out there and you got to work, you know, you got to go see some people and really it's, you know, it's not just the cannabis industry that's struggling at all right now. You know, there could be, which there probably is like a quarter of the people cultivating weed right now, but the quarter of the spending is being spent because no one has money in this, you know, in this economy right now. Everybody walks into a dispensary right now and goes, I have $18. What can I get for 18 bucks? You know, and that's like down the whole entire pipeline of every single retail that's all over California right now. Every but single you know what that is, though. What's that? I see that, as an I see that as an opportunity for a guy like yourself because you sell water hash and you can yep. sell a 450 milligram, 560, 600 milligram product for one gram yep. at a much lower price because you can, you know, what I love about Heritage is that you guys were the first company that I saw that was like, Hey, we take everything and we, we press it, we press, we, we run it to water hash. And then we, we micron, you know, we organize it everything. by micron. We know exactly what we have. And then we press to order. Yeah. Like the fact that you can do that, you have those microns, Yeah, you know, you can like DC bubble man's a perfect example. I'm talking to Marcus. I see what he's doing. Next thing I know, he's like, Oh, there's this little tiny weird pipe that you can put hash into. And you can smoke it and it's yeah. like this and it allows you to smoke a relatively inexpensive, not such high quality hash. Yeah. And then he's the guy that produces the hash. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, so now that that person that walks in with $18, that whole they can get that. is coming as yeah. an opportunity because you can create a product yeah. at price point that can come out at $4 and sell at retail for that price you know yeah. after packaging we are stuff. we are launching our we are launching like our lower our lower line right about now we're kind of moving into that shape or form it's a good time Try, for it. you know yeah for sure and um it's just and it's also works for like also for bogos too as well i mean yep. the market right now like 
you can't really bogo hash. And I mean, a lot of these people now, when you're working on splits or margins or anything like that, you really can't afford to buy one, get one or anything like that. Um, well, we if are, it's a, if it's a lower a little tier, bit more. what's that? If it's a, if it's a, if what you're getting, if you buy one and then you get a lower tier, that yeah. another brand that you create, that's a price point brand. Yeah. It's like, Hey, if you buy one of our heritage grams, you can get a, a gram from our, you know, whatever the company yeah. name is. You get one of those and that that makes it so you can do that bogo which is kind of a dope idea for sure that's cool i like that yeah i think that being able to be uh you know conform in and create new unique products like you know marcus is on the forefront up here in canada of, of it, it's it's not going to work to just deliver the form factor that the traditional market consumers have been consuming because it's going to take many years to convert those individuals over whether whether sure. one of us do does a great job at it or not you could do the best yeah. job in the world you're not going to convert everyone any faster than no gonna happen well and how that does and that's the cool part is, is that heritage does that all the time like you know you see like the 60 year old 65 year old lady and man come walking in and they're like what the hell is this and you're like well it's you know tash and like well, what do you do and then you tell them what this is ice and water and a little bit of heat and or this is what it is and like like oh well what do you mean like the old traditional hash like yeah we have that too but this is the new way then they go smell it and then they go smell like the white thorn rose and then they're like oh my god you know and so we sell the uh the first grams to a lot of 60 year old people that they've ever bought in their life and then they become return recurring customers um we hear that there is another hashery that has been opened um it's up there in oregon um i don't know if you guys have heard that about that or not so we might be a starting of trend. You know, we are the world's so. first public hatchery, but I hope so. I hope so too. You know, I really feel that they, you know, just like rosin's been around for not too long at all, you know, and it's all kind of evolving, like how we're figuring out how to put it in the vape cartridges right now, how like, you know, Colin from Best of Life's really like isolating a lot of isolate, like fucking doing a phenomenal job on that level. You know, there's a lot of like things that are just barely starting to come to fruition that just like, adding heat you know or adding something that's just here you have this plant that's grown it's awesome and it's stinky as shit stickier in hell and you freeze it then you then you smash it around with a bunch of water and ice and everything like that then you pass it through these screens and all of a sudden you're looking at this like awesome like just to die for like just powder right you're like oh my god this is really cool smell it smells great and then you put a little bit of heat to it and it just goos like phenomenal even crazier rosin which is like this is nothing being applied other than, you know, no solvents, no nothing. And then here you are with this product and this plant that's like changing your mind state with, with, with like other inputs of just using it to, you know, filter it out. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. It's a cool thing. Like I, <laughs> I was, I was wondering if we could take it back to the conversation about Mendocino and what's happened up there economically. Yeah. There's something that I've always noticed about that region and you, you've been up there for a long time, so you can probably speak to it. What I've noticed is a lot of people will cry poor, but it's because they're living outside of their means. Yeah. And, and if they made adjustments, they'd be fine. And then I even see like recreational people that are crying poor, but they're not talking about the duffel bags going out the back and the money getting made. And they're really using the rec thing to just launder the fuck out of a bunch yeah. of money. And it's like, I'm cool with that story, but it's not honest. Yeah. It's not truthful. And like, and then that region is just sort of, I, I think that I think the struggle, you know? I think the, I think the struggle is truthful. Um, I, I also don't, I don't knock a man's hustle. 
um, number no. one. And then no. um, I just, I really feel that, you know, yeah, I mean, we are a community that's been, you know, also why we're named Heritage, but we are a community that's been embedded in this since the 1960s. You know, it has built 90% of our economy in Northern California for everybody, whether you fix a diesel, whether you're a lawyer, whether you sell like anything at the freaking um, park store, everybody is hurting up here. I mean, if you're not like, you're not back doing that, no one has to come to Mendo anymore to buy weed. You know, like, anytime a geographical area that that's, yeah. that's that far from a metropolis loses yeah. a revenue stream, it's going to have that issue. You're saying yeah. the place that you're talking about, yeah. it was it was doing more in fucking lumber than it was doing in cannabis before that. And it yeah, was I mean, no, I mean, yeah, I was. I was, evolved. but then also, you know, Mendocino was one of like the most, and Humboldt was probably one of the richest counties in all of California for a long freaking time. So everybody was able to like the old timers now that have gone out of the game, they've been able to buy their houses to sell it to whatever, whatever. And, you know, it's, you know, it's the people now it's like, you know, you don't have people coming to town. And then if you don't have people that are going out and networking, then you're broke, you know, right now, yeah. a lot of people are sitting on their same herb, but like, you know, no one has money up here in Mendo and Humboldt. It, it's, it's sad, you know, but it's, it's general everywhere. But I mean, it's, you know, from every single type of industry part up here, it's crushed. So, it's and so I mean, consolidated for sure. There's a way to bring it back here, which is sustainable. You know, like there's, you need to make, you know, Willits like a freaking, you need to, you need to make Willits a uh, resort town. And by resort town, I mean, you need to like, what do we have the most? It's got two wheels that goes anywhere and it's mountain biking. And I don't know why in the hell these people don't get it through their heads of like building this mountain biking metropolis up there in Willits that would be going through the redwoods that you could drive bike all the way down to the coast that you could really, Okay, start shifting something that's sustainable, making a place that, you know, all those old timers are going to die up there. You know, as much as like their kids left their ranches, now they're all hanging on and I drive right through every one of them and all of them are 85 fucking years old, about ready to pass out. And all those are going to have to do something. And it's not the kids that are sticking around, the weed industry's gone. So what are we going to do next? You know, and reality is, is you've got to do something that's good for the community and putting a mountain biking resort up in those areas right now and being able to still do weed and whatever, you know. People care about terroir. I mean, it grows good cannabis, you know, and, and, and tourism. I mean, like uh, Huckleberry Hill Farms is like I'd bring my mother cool. there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I've never. I think everybody would bring farm. their mother there. Like yeah, I've never. Cool it's in, it's incredible. So I I mean I think that having more like that and and exposing people to that side of the industry you know, is, is really important. So I, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think that's a really, yeah. you know, I think that's the only path forward. For um, sure. And it's um, a lot of the people it's, I think I've, I've been a big proponent on always putting your money where you eat. Um, and that's like in our community. And a lot of people up here haven't like opened up other stores. They haven't really cared to like have their wife do what their passion is. And like, you know, maybe open up a boutique or do something else. It's like a restaurant or something. It's been individualized. You're able to hang out on your ranch and be able to live. Yeah, you're, you're fine. You're, you know, creating your own little ecosystem up there. But it doesn't contribute to what our community is doing. Like before we opened up Heritage, my girl, she had her, my wife, she had her own store. And she, you know, did like boutique stuff, made beautiful other bags. She's an amazing artist. But as our kids came along, you know, we have finally had to leave as well. But, you know, it, we, no one puts their money here, you know. And, and I don't think they're going to really do that. I think. Everything up from Santa Rosa up is really like really hitting. So besides Hillsburg, Hillsburg's popping right now. I don't know what it is over there. Interesting. Do you have any uh, plans to 
bring more glass into the the heritage shop i feel like that's the one thing that we do I, I i would love to um i'd like to actually be um my friend jeff you know nectar collector so we had nectar collectors there for quite some time um that's just what he does he's done that for forever he's one of my best brothers but yeah i mean it's um it's also like my, my price point right now bro i'm you know like if i had enough money to really get rigs in there and to do type of nature or you know maybe getting other people that could really put display things in there and help working and maybe network a little bit more but you know, I'm we're growing we're growing as fast as we can right now. For you sure. Know, and yes, we would love it more than anything. Um, Richard, that's one of our in-house technicians um, for hash, he blows glass. So we have a lot of three pipe holes and um, three three hole pipes and everything for our temple balls and stuff. Oh cool. Um, and then we have you know a couple things like that. But other than that, you know, we haven't been like super hyper glass focused. So um yeah, I kind I we kind of have a couple other people that are partnering shops that are down the road that shop at our place that I almost rather have the business and stay open than me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair too. Yeah, well, um, I, I, but yeah, too. I mean, I would love to be able to you know be selling puffcos and do all this other stuff. We're really like this close to getting on site consumption, and once we we have a big huge lot in the back that's about a half acre of property, and we're going to be putting in like ten gazebos in the back back there, but. We're going to start having this thing called the hash bash and it's going to be every two months and the hash bash is that we're going to be putting up these you know kind of like a bracket and, and how you're fighting it's gonna be 150 people invite so then you have you know it's a two-day little event or whatnot but we're going to do that every month between like the recreational um legal um brands that we fit into there and just kind of have a bash out for the whole entire year um, those brands also vote on themselves or the other brand too as well you're sitting around the same same table as those colleagues so we're bringing like a lot more farmers markets a lot more concerts and those type of things that are really trying to bring back that kind of community which in that times we'll have like other glass artists doing their type of things there too so that's awesome yeah but and, and that's the killer for me there is that i haven't been able to do that activation i haven't been able to use that side of that business and you know really in a big thing it's like that's why i built heritage too is to You'll be able to have these awesome events that we could do. Yeah. So it's killing me actually. So so would you have a line of sight on that when you're gonna uh, they to keep saying like three months and I was just told I was just told two days ago, two months. So and yeah, what we're hoping. Um the mayor's all for it, everybody's all for it. Um it just everything in the UK Ukiah city limits, it's not fast. So everybody else can have on site consumption, it's right on the outside of city limits, which isn't far at all. And I can't have it because I'm in city limits. So quite lame so um you know a lot of people target the lack of retail access as the major issue in cali right now do you do you agree with that sentiment as as the i mean yeah i mean fully i see that i mean the retail access like i was saying before with you know the excise tax thing and being able to have those those cities that don't have it you know allowing that access to have it but yeah i mean yeah i see it but right now no it's like right now you know it's the economy that's really making it crash right now you know, no one can afford cannabis people want a budget product a lot of other dispensaries that i've talked to around up here have shifted from like you still have some high-end things there but majority of majority of everything's all bargain driven a lot of everything is and you know it's definitely a lot of the companies now too if they're holding on they're like highly discounting items they're highly doing like in bogos they're highly doing everything but you're seeing big, 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 big companies fold left and right. 
How's Heritage doing uh, outside of there? Like for your distribution, like your products down in LA? Distribution's like been distribution's been really tough. We're looking for a new sales force right about now. Uh, you just. Connected to our car for a second. I didn't hear it's connected to the car. <laughs> nope. Okay. This is interesting. We've never had this one happen before. <laughs> I think your phone now. is. Yeah, I think there your you phone yeah. is connected to yeah. someone. You're back. Car, so We're, good. We're good. <laughs> You're what? We're your good. phone connected to someone's car's Bluetooth. Oh, yeah. Probably my girl's phone. He's over there. <laughs> See, this, yeah, my funny. wife just pulled up. So yeah, I think Addy, when she pulled up, it connected. Yeah. What were you? Uh, what were you saying, Addy? There, I think it was a really good question. Oh, I was asking about distro and how, um, you know, how how your products are doing outside of there. And you were saying yeah. that you guys were putting together a sales team and going to approach that now. Yeah, we're go we're we're getting a sales team together up north. We've been doing really, really, really well. And then we're just hitting and then kind of relaunching SoCal um, right now, too, as well. So um, it's definitely been very difficult. A lot of distributors have fizzled down pretty hard and thinned out quite a bit. And we're just realizing that using a third party um, to get, get to get things from point A to point B and then just using a sales team. It's just it's just the way to go. You know, yeah, and then that's handling you up. control your own sales. It's uh, yeah. Oh, and then, you know and then that way we're, ha we're handling up north. So, yeah, if if, if you guys are it's always smartest to, to control your own sales because you produce the product and you know it best and you yep. need that information to really sell it best. So it's for sure. It's strong. And you, that, you can outsource and, all the other shit. Yeah. And that's why I'm actually pulling off of uh, cultivating cannabis is that I need to really start hitting the streets and getting out guys, there. And there's no, there's no one else is going to sell our product better than me. So have you guys thought about um, getting with one of these non-storefront sales groups and like, being able to do, to then take heritage, take its face, take its attention that you draw from it and create a website that then just any customer in California can just jump on that website, order your stuff. And you would use a third party for the last mile. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that for, for non-store. I mean, yeah, that? that'd be phenomenal. You know, like I know the seven tens doing that, right? Pretty much. It's yeah. like the, buy, the yep. consumer buyer. Yeah. I mean, that would be phenomenal. Um, we're just figuring out how to like, you know, it's, it's, it's been a year and a half. We're really kind of just barely getting into everything about what we can do. First of all, it's just learning how to run a business when you're completely burned out from building a business. And so, you know, yeah, it's, that's our next maneuver. So well, what did Elon Musk, he said that most drug dealers are better at business than, than uh, the teacher or the university professors, you know, yeah. they, they, they understand it so well because you're feeling it. You know, I, I call it like keeping your balls in the electricity. And yeah. it's like, you know, if your balls are sitting in the electricity, when it, when something happens, you feel it, you know? So you learn, all right, my balls are in the electricity. I need to make sure that I fucking handle my, all of my shits in order. So no electrical currents are going to come my way and light me up, but they always yeah. come no matter what, you know, you just, you oh, always, no matter what. Definitely. So they, so you guys are going to be doing that distro stuff. It's what I'm hearing and what I'm putting together is that you got a lot going on. You're getting into the new stuff, you know, a couple of new businesses. You have your existing stuff. Of course you have heritage, but then if you're going to jump into the sales part, you can't yeah. do sales without promotion and marketing. So yeah. it means 
you know, it sounds like you guys have, you have to really manage what you're doing very, very closely. Otherwise yeah. you're going to tip in one of these other directions. So it, it is go for time sure. for you guys. It sounds well, like I, I definitely, like, I use like our marketing is coming, coming through. Here comes my little kiddo. <laughs> um, but the marketing that we're using to be able to get ahead is that it's my kind of my hard labor. So marketing is going to get paid by this other, other uh, entity that we're bringing in to do this uh, fresh frozen thing. They're going to pay for um, just to get us kind of get up and running, um, do a big, a big promotional shootout of like the fresh frozen harvesting of our company and really start getting like really what we haven't been able to afford really out front. Mm -hmm. So um, we know that very well, like you haven't seen like big videos of our team. You haven't really seen big videos of our store yet. You haven't really seen any of that. And um, that's our next big push is like really being able to get people to tell our story and, you know, kind of go through that. And, um, you know, I think we were, playing in oh shit mode for quite some time to where now I think we've, we've downsized a little bit. Um, we've kind of hyper-focused and kind of stopped making so much hash that we, you know, kind of were just making hash that to where the team's getting out again. Um, Bell's starting to teach more classes. Um, I think a lot of this other, like other promotion that's getting out there, like we needed to, was actually being able to get received too as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, here coming in like uh, the next month, is, you're going to see a lot of push for heritage from heritage hash go on marketing. So. That's um, awesome. And you, you said in the next, you said in the next few days, you'll get to talk about that other group and the yep, other stuff too. For sure. So yeah, I mean, um, they're a phenomenal group. And one, one of the other persons is, uh, is my partner, Benji too, as well. I don't know if you guys know Benji at all. Um, Benji's, uh, he's kind of been lining up all this Oradale. He's, he's my brother from another mother, but uh, he used to work for Guild Extracts and stuff. Um, for quite is that time. group? The there. I, What's that? I know Benji. Is that group that you're talking about? Are they you said it was like a produce thing. Are they from outside cannabis or were they from? Yeah. Yeah. They're okay. from outside cannabis, from NASA. Oh, cool. Yeah. From NASA. And they're also in cannabis. One of the guys is in cannabis too, but the cool. technology is all from like NASA and all this other stuff that they've been trying to make. It's actually really neat. So it's actually, it's actually really cool. I was kind of, I was kind of putting it off for a while because there's a lot of people that walk into your places talking about cool shit supposedly or whatever. And then, really got like hyper involved over the last couple of months like like wow this is freaking amazing and this is like really what the world needs right now is to be able to ship things in places and also be able to to like you know those things run on a lot of power and when you're running on a fuel cell and you're running on you know like chillers and stuff it's you know night and day the amount of power that you're saving you know so well when i when i hear nasa i think expensive so is it is it is it cost effective probably pretty expensive well, what but I'm saying is, like, if, if you're going to drop one of these, what's the cost? It's also of this something technology? you can't buy. It's something that you can't buy. It's a service that's created from it. Okay, so so if you yeah. what what I'm trying to understand is because you're like you know you're explaining it in a way where you're saying that this technology is coming from NASA, yeah. And if that's the case, if if I'm a farm and someone's like, yeah. hey, we're going to drop this unit there, I'd be like, NASA, like, how much is this going to cost? Is this going to be yeah. cost effective? Because everything right now well, can it's going to be cost effective, but it's also going to make you money and it's going to give you a pipeline to get that material out to as well. Well, you know what's cost so, effective um, is it's, not, it's not something that you, like. Yeah, you don't have to buy it. That's the thing is that you actually, it's like a service. It's a service that gets dropped off. Um, it's provided for you. Um, it's like, and then we haul it away, ship it, um, sell it, take a percentage. So, so what you're back. telling me is you're not going to talk about what the cost is. <laughs> no. That the cost of the machine, I can't say it. I can't say it. No, no, you're, you're not. You're not explaining. You're not outlining what the cost is to lease the unit or have it drop yeah. off or get the service. Yeah, because that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm is exactly. like, what does it cost? What would it cost if I was like, hey, you gotta I wait got seven. 
Well, it's like you I got seven farms and they're yeah. ready to go. Like, what does it cost? That's what I'm wondering. That, that So I can't yeah. wait to hear that because that's the most. Yeah, it's good. I'll, and I'll let you know and I'll, and I'll, and I'll pipeline you into this a little bit uh, personally about it. But, you know, yeah, well, I, I would say, yeah. I've seen too that Matt and the, I think it's Cryotech is what it's called yeah, or something. Here. Like the one that Chris was involved in. Yeah. Um, Chris from Clear, I guess Matt had has one that's like a harvester. That's a new yeah. unit that uses like some other system. And it's, and they've been talking about that for a couple of years. Um, yeah. It sounds like these two things would go very well together, but. I think so. That's cool. Well, I can't wait to see this shit. I want to hear all about yeah. this. So when, when yeah, are you going to announce it's it? It's actually really dope. It's really dope. So um, will you, when will I you announce release... it on your Instagram or where are you going? Yeah, we'll release it on Heritage. Okay. And we'll be, we'll be releasing a little bit more. I mean, I think there's also some hype being built too within marketing before it actually gets thrown out there too as well. So I like yeah, it. I, I'm excited. I mean, it's kind of, it's a, it's a new endeavor for me. You know, I'm kind of getting into the pick and shovels type of ordeal into the service ordeal. And I'm trying to take a lot of like my knowledge of being able to run a cannabis business and run a micro business and do the extracting thing and taking a lot of the lessons that I've learned and not learned and made the mistakes to really approaching this to being able to help people and their success, you know? And so being able to make sure that I was kind of cut and dry. I mean, a lot of us are just barely getting into like how the stuff really should be stored, how it should be really packaged, how it can be harvested fastly and not being murdered. You know, there's a lot of like tech that's, you know, that people, you know, also that they, that they look down upon, but also at the same time too, as well as when it comes down to like harvesting a lot of like acres of weed, you know, sometimes you've, you've got to be able to, you know, handle some certain things in certain ways, you know? So, yeah. I mean, your labor force is behind harvesting fresh frozen for solventless extractions. It's fucking brutal. You know, it, it takes a lot of time. You know, you can't, you have, oh, yeah. you have to be, and you have to shift a lot of people's mindset on how they harvest. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's but a I think big if deal. you compare, if you could, if you compare the cost of harvesting for fresh frozen to the cost of harvesting for flour, and then you add the time and the duration of time, because we all know that time is very expensive. Yeah. When you add the two, fresh frozen and and hash comes ahead all the time. Yeah. You know, hash, oh, for like sure. the farmers can get paid more quickly because yeah. the fresh frozen and is. You want to know what the funny part about that is, though, is that. So here you are saying that, okay, you have better time, right? You can, you know, freeze it. It goes right from the plant into a bag, but then it's sold or sold more for a higher ticket. You know what I mean? Right. Then you have cured plant. You have cured material. That's actually whole plant material. That's been bucked, shucked, cured, spent way more time, way more resources, way more everything like that. that. That's looked that sells for less. Yeah. And when there's been a lot more like terpenes that have been built upon, that has been a lot more terpenes that have actually came to fruition after a cured material. And if you get to material that's been cured quick as heck, get it in the freezer fast as hell as soon as it's dried and it's big leaf properly and you actually are washing like a cured product that's like, you know, not leaf or anything like that. You're saying the dry half material. Is, is undeniably, undeniably undisputed. I don't know. I, a lot of the times, like, you know, I, I like it a lot more. You know, I don't know. Like, there's things like well, that way, it's, well, it's not cost, cost effective, but they more notes come out of those terpenes when they cure. You know, there's the terpenes that are there, right? That are there that you're going to lose within the evaporation of all the cannabis, you know, all yeah. that. But then there's the ones that gain themselves over age. You know, and a lot of that stuff, like those OGs, OGs taste like shit fresh. You know, I mean, they're really phenomenal, but like you take an OG that's cured for fucking a month and you, you pull that bad boy out. Oh my God. You know, headbands, all the other really good stuff that like, you know, okay, well, this, this smells like a baby diaper, you know, and, but then if you like, 
you know, that baby shit, that baby puke kind of smell you kind of get popping off. Do that with a, like a cured plant material and like those sours will taste even more sour. You know, it kind of gives, it's, there's something that goes along within that timing process of that cured plant that, you know, and it's, you know, straight fact, it's fucking tradition. You know what I mean? It's like, but what is that product they make an ass like that forever. compared to, but when that product sells at market, it's going to sell for more because it took more. And if the market right now is not buying the bigger product, it's not the direction to go in terms of production. Yeah. So it's like, and, and the, it comes down to the point of like, Hey, a Lamborghini is faster than a fucking Toyota, but it costs more money. Yeah. That's just, you know, we'd all rather be in the Lamborghini, you know, and if, yeah. but it's like, if, if it's a race, you want to be in the Lamborghini, but it's, so it gets down to like, what? why um, don't we, the cost, you know? Well, I mean, I, why don't we look at it this way where we need to learn how to age the resin once it's separated from the gland and then process it to achieve the same outcome as we would achieve if we were to hang that plant material, cure it, and then separate those glands from yeah. stocks. Because but now that's you're what, about the reason why people went yeah. to fresh frozen in the first place. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of the stuff. That's I, a lot I of the stuff. I disagree with Kyle. I, I respect yeah. everybody's opinion on this show, but yeah. like I'm a fresh frozen boy for life. Yeah. So yeah. like you you you'd probably be if you said Jameson one in a hundred strains is better like maybe Jesus tact or like fully I wouldn't out. say I wouldn't say every strain's better I would yeah, say yeah, yeah. there's so a big said, you said the majority whereas me personally I'm going to say the opposite and, and yeah. everybody's different everybody's their own yeah. unique snowflake and that's what this show's all about but like for my yeah. personal experience is that the majority I'm going to take live and then the minority yeah. I'm going to take cured and and yeah. everybody's different yeah for sure well, what, is yeah, the real, that, um, what it really comes down to is what the market's looking for. And the market yeah, yeah. right now is buying a shitload of fucking rosin compared to any anything else when it comes to that. You know, if, if it's water yeah. hash, like 710 sells 5% of what they sell is water hash. Yeah. The rest of it is... Is, is that grown rosin. or decreased over the last few years? No, a, the bubble same. hash has dropped off. I mean, it's really hard to sell bubble hash. You know what I mean? It's it, But full melt is really kind of... You know, Papa and Barkley, they do a phenomenal job, but but their shit's fucking retarded. You it's know, like their shit's so good. Though. It's not, yeah, it's so, yeah. so good. They're not doing, yeah. Their stuff so the, is yeah. fucking insane water. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, straight, it's, you're like, oh, now it's rosin. Like, you make the yeah. rosin by whipping the fucking water hash. You're like, yeah, there we go. We're pretty, good. <laughs> pretty much. You know, they, you know, I can't remember what strain I just had from them. Um, God, but it was some of the best bubble hash. I was like, dude, I'm glad that that didn't go up against that white thorn rose. They're During, lemon like, royale, because yeah, yeah lemon fucking, royale. That's what it was. I was like, just, they're lemon royale and that garlic yeah. juice they have, like that. Uh, yeah. Or is it? Oh no, it's a uh, garlic cookies. They're straight garlic yeah. cookies and they're lemon royale. I'll grab a fucking QP of that shit. That shit is yeah, so any day. good, dude. Yeah, so I will good. trade one QP <laughs> of uh, GMO cookies for one lemon royale. So it pop See, up. You're listening. There you go. They're yeah. like these. They're like these wind tunnels. Uh, that are used in uh, soft gel cap production to cure out yeah. the wet soft gels. And like, yeah. we need to be looking into, because if the market changes, and I don't disagree with Kyle, like Kyle, I think you know your shit. Like, I think that a good OG resin cured out would probably make some way stronger uh, hash. And maybe I just haven't been exposed to that. But if we can prove that out and the market's willing to pay for it, it doesn't change the fact that we need to figure out how to age this resin off the vine 
and correct that same effect because you i believe and addison touched on this earlier but i believe that you have trailblazed and now set a standard that's going to be copied globally eventually where it's like hey we're going to process all this into loose resin we're going to separate it out and we're going to see everything we have and then we're not going to fucking do anything else until we know where we're going to sell it and who we're selling it to yeah i think that nobody else has did that and i think that that's going to be copied going forward and i think that the next step is okay well now we've got all these separated out inputs and how can we, you know, find unique ways to manipulate them? For sure. Well, we're finding a lot of, we're finding a lot of things. And that's what we're starting to play with now too, is that like, you know, Bell does a lot of the temple balls and stuff. And we're finding yeah. out like some of them that'll grease up and stay greased. And then some that won't. And the reason why, and like Brian came up with a lot of it too, because he's been pressing. He's like, Hey, but that looks like a lot of THCA that's in that product with no CBD. And then Nasha is like, Hey, you know, like, all the stuff that doesn't have very much CBD and it doesn't really, it, it'll make a temple ball, but it'll just, it won't make be greasy. And so Bell just did another, like kind of like a testing with some GMO cookies and sure enough, that CBD in it, it stayed oily and greasy as a temple ball, you know? And so there's a lot of like factors within the cannabinoids of like one, how it's going to be staying stable, but then also too, at the same time of, do you take out that stuff? Do you use that freeze dryer? Then you do you let it air dry for a day? You know, like you're like what like what other factors are you can you start implementing now before you know like really getting in from the cured thing other than putting it into a uh, a freezer oven and freezing it and then putting it in the freezer? You know, mm-hmm. so when you leave like that little bit out on the countertop on the countertop and then you go back to it the next day and it's kind of got that glossy look on it. It's got that little kind of like that sheen or whatever, and it kind of looks like that microplane stuff. You know, that's kind of, it's kind of done something in in itself. It'll change a little bit, but there's still always that little shell that's not going to let everything get away, you know, is what I would say. And so I'm just thinking maybe with pressing things or with handleability or other types of like, you know, hash that might be available as a live product after maybe it's air dried for a day or two. You know, those are new products that haven't been really even dove into that much, you know, so Mm -hmm. lots of fun shit to play with. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's definitely something that like I I always talk about the fact that the whole the numbers guys that are brought in with the investors that are buying these businesses and getting this shit as soon as they hear about water hash and how you can take a perishable product which is a flour product you can take flour and now you can halt the perishability by turning it into a water hash and sticking it in a freezer. Yeah, you can slow that process down and get your wits together and now start breaking that product down and putting it out or selling it out in other ways. And when these guys figure this out, you see them light up. They're like, oh, yeah, I didn't know. Because, you know, they all know that, like, every one of those numbers, guys, like, well, what the fuck, man? Like, the distro's not moving the flour fast enough and the flour's yeah. going bad. Now we're getting complaints from the dispensary that the flour doesn't taste right because it sat for too long. So you can't slow the process down where they're like, Oh, if we took 50% of that harvest and turned it into water hash, stored it, it slows time and it allows us to then figure out where to put it and where it can go. And now it's actually more sellable at that point. And when they see that, it makes such a fucking huge difference. And I think that's why hash, water hash is like gaining so much popularity because, you know, it's like, dude, you could be a water, you could be you guys making what you make and doing what you do. And then as you expand and grow, you know, you're going to be uh, like, dude, the, the VHO market's not going away. 
it's no. not going anywhere. No, well, it's this no, it's not going to go anywhere. And it's just, of course, it's, it's going to it's not place, huge but... in, in, in California. It doesn't mean it's freaking massive all over in Colorado and the, the East Dude, Coast. Listen, it's freaking huge. The distillate numbers, the distillate numbers, if you look at the actual numbers in our state for when they say concentrate, they say dabbable and non dabbable. Yeah. That fucking, that distillate content or, or vape market, it's still way more money than the rest of the market. Yeah. If you look at the actual fucking numbers, I, I love when people talk shit on it, but it's like, bro, distillate still sells. It's in everything. You just don't fucking know it. And that's why I yeah. made that meme. That's like, remember when people used to, used to tell you that distillate was in things? Because yeah. it's still there, yeah. dude. It's just, it's, <laughs> you just don't know it. Because yeah. if you look at the numbers, it's the larger part of the, of the concentrate market, you know, yeah. the vape and the dabble, the way it's split up. When you look at the vape market, a tiny percent of it, like a tiny percent is, is solventless. And then a, a big, a, a bigger chunk of it is BHO. The biggest fucking chunk of it is, is distillate. Yeah. And it's still that way. And that's it's not going to really change. Brian kind of came up to a little bit of a factor and I don't know if this is true or I don't know if this is other kind of ways that's, that's being done, but he was kind of, you know, everybody's coming out with their solventless vape cartridges right now. And a lot of them are clearer than clearer can be. And you're like working with hash. I know like there's like, it's so fluctuating. It's crazy. Um, you know, it's uh, you have these ones that are really clear, but they're also like their percentages are pretty on par every single time, every single batch. Mm -hmm. They get them 86%. They get them whatever. And then Brian's like, well, what are, do you think they're distilling? Do you think they're distilling um, rosin? And then instead of using like a solvent to use from the rosin, now they're distilling that rosin. That would be crazy. Are we there? Yeah, you're back. You're All just, right, there we go. So are they distilling rosin? Yeah. Did you hear me? Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. don't know like if like what are people kind of moving into that factor now, like of getting taking rosin that might not be looking like the 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 shit and then making that doo doo butter into something that's nice by distilling it. Have you guys there's heard no, of anything at that? There's no regulation. I mean, all no. that we have is the community to sh to yeah. shame a product into failure. I mean, we saw a product called Full Melt come out in Canada and it was a, a distillate and rot and rosin blend. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's, there's no, like it, they got no penalties. There's no fines. There's, yeah. there's you know, there's nothing like that. It's just the yeah. community, you know, community backlash was all they suffered. So I, I think we, yeah. we have to watch out for that. I think those theories are kind of the same as like the cops when they're like, they're putting fucking cocaine in the weed. It's like, dude, yeah. cocaine costs more money than weed and you don't give drugs away for free. So you yeah. don't make steak. You don't take steak and make hot dogs out of it. Yeah. Right. Like you're losing fucking money if you do that. So if yeah. you take, well, but I mean, what if you want to turn your hot dog into a steak? You can't turn your hot dog into you a steak. It. You distill it. <laughs> Well, no, that's what know. I'm saying. Like the the, yeah. the input yeah, material. That, that analysis doesn't work, Addy, because because coke yeah. costs way more than weed, and distillate definitely doesn't cost more than rosin. Yeah, but yeah. what he's saying. So wait, what he's saying though is that they're taking water hash, and they're well, distilling yeah. it. They're or turning rosin. it into distillate, yeah. right? Yeah. You'd be taking fucking steak, which is water hash, and turning it into distillate, oh, which is but not hash, but dude. not all but not all water hash is steak, my guy. Some of that stuff. Oh, I, I understand that, but you're not going to get. Yeah, hey, it's dude, not good. Don't, 
don't think that Scotty Ball hasn't been buying up a shitload of shitty water hash and turning it into distillate for years. He has. That's yeah. they'll they'll take trim, they'll take whatever, and they yeah. grind that shit down and make fucking distillate. So yeah. if, if it had, here's what it comes down to. If it has active compounds in it, it could be converted to distillate because all you're yeah. doing is isolating and stripping those compounds out. So, but then, and that's, but then, but then you're, you still call it, calling it a solventless product then. No, at that point it's distillate because you can't, yeah. you can't distill it without using yeah. what you use. You can't distill yeah. it without doing the process to make that yeah. final product. So it's yeah. still a distillate of it's, it's distilled. It's like, it's not, you can't, yeah. yeah. you know, I, I don't think that's what they're doing. I think what they're doing yeah. is they're using very inexpensive inputs and they're creating their stuff with, with rather inexpensive inputs. And that's, yeah. you know, that's it. I mean, I, I, I feel like Brian and you guys with what you have, your, your facility, your campus, all your stuff, no one's going to figure that out quicker than you guys. Like you guys are fucking yeah. all up in that lab all the time. You know, Brian's making yin yang signs and fucking he's got all kinds of you shit going it. on over there. So it's like, if anyone's yeah. going to figure it out, I, I think you guys would be the one, but how do you feel yeah. about, um, you know, getting away from like the distillate concept, how do you feel about some of the, the solventless carts that you do see? And does, does heritage have a solventless cart program? And do you guys put yeah. stuff out as well? Yeah, I think that I think they're phenomenal. I think it's very, you know, once you start heating up live live material and everything into that kind of that type of factor, and you're giving that pressure, there's a lot of off gassing with a lot of those live ones that just don't work at all within the vape cartridge. You can might think you might think it's the best shit in the world, and you try to go put it underneath that pressure, and it just tastes gross. Yeah, um, we're noticing that you know, so it's very variable within the life on that on that side. Um, but like what we've noticed too, as well, like we could give you some of like of our sour tangy and everything of those carts that are cured and they are some of the best carts. And I, and I know everybody says this, but they are some of the best carts you've ever had in your entire life. They have the true flavor, true stability. They're not, they're, they're way, they're way lighter than HTE or any of the other stuff in that nature, but they're not like that clear, like yellow that you would want to see like from everybody else that wants to be in the rosin game, you know? But well, you get that a little bit more of a color value, you know? Yeah. Everybody but, knows. Yeah, like, you know, like it's, but they're phenomenal. And the next time I see you guys, I will give you one of these and you'll be like, what in the hell is that? And it, they're I delicious. It. So I'm looking forward. There's, you a, know, the other there's side, a stability that comes behind cured that really kind of helps out within the, within the cart realm for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, the other side of carts, the other side of all of this is the hardware. Yeah. And that's really, you know, if you get the wrong fucking hardware and you're using stuff that's just cooking everything and, yeah. you know, guys learn quickly that like, I would never buy a full gram cart of, of uh, solventless because by the time you get down in that cart toward the end, it doesn't taste the same. So half grams are the best way. Like we figured all these things out through the years that a solventless serving is a half gram and it's in this certain hardware. Yeah. And it's the same as like, you know, when we, we, we purchase these crazy rigs because they're airflow and how that's, you know, uh, scientific glass function. Then we yeah. purchase a specific banger because it has a certain amount of surface area. And then we, we let it time to a certain amount of time because we know that that's where we want to boil. And, and then we yeah. go and put a cap on that motherfucker to raise temp back up and figure, and I always, I always say this shit, but when it comes to, you know, all, all of these steps, all these things that are a part of it, when you take a vapor pen and you make the best fucking best fucking solventless shit ever, you got the best input and you put it in the wrong fucking pen and it yeah. overheats and it's cooking. And you're like, is there a fire around here somewhere? It's like, yeah. 
you just get to this fucking place where it just ruins it. And that's where that's a big picture to look at because you got to find the right hardware. And then you want to talk about sketch. Let's talk about fucking hardware companies. Those dudes were like, yeah, the sketchiest motherfuckers you ever meet. And you can lose your shipment. You know, well, if it's you not get, to like, offend so, anybody, but it's yeah. their production is not done here. So there's yeah. a lot of fucking uncontrollable components that are there that yeah. I, in my eyes makes me be like, well, this dude's being sketchy because now my order's yeah. late and now my shit costs more. And now fucking, you know, they're like, oh, shipping prices are triple from fucking China now. So, our, you know, yeah. it's like, so it's just sketchy as fuck. So it breaks my heart whenever I see people make really great material and then it's in the wrong, you know, the wrong thing. But I think with like Eye Crusher and these new ones that are out there that are, you know, some proprietary ones that are out there, it's making a big difference. But we need these 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 hardware guys to really focus on um, the temperatures and other stuff. And that's why I I always promote. There's one that there's one that we're using that it's an all glass. They're they're all glass. There's no there's no filament in the middle of it. The filament's Mm -hmm. down below. And so um, you're, it's only, it's never getting heat on the whole entire product there. So you actually can have a graham cart without it tasting like shit because you don't have a heating element in the middle of the sauce making it nasty. So well, everything that's coming down ohm? into it's falling from the top. What's that? I think the bigger issue is what the mass ohm output is. Yeah. You know, these guys that are yeah, going 3.1 fucking 2.6s. Like my favorite yeah. one is like a 1.8 to a 2.4 and it oscillates back and forth. And that's by AVD. They make a yeah. haptic one that you can use. Yeah, that yeah, like yeah. Heats it up to like 2.4 and then bumps it back down to, to 1.6 or 1.4. It's, and it kind of just jumps in between. My biggest issue is that it's overheating shit for too long. Yeah. And then it creates this fucking, you know, it fucks it all up. That's what fucks up the rest of the material in the vessel is that it yeah. overheats for too long. So even if it's a glass tube and nothing touches it, What's the max temperature yeah. and, how, and how quickly does it back off that temperature and how quickly does it go back up to that temperature? Because well, if it just hits like that to, temperature and then people like to rip there. big clouds and some people like to do flavor, you know what I mean? I'm a low temp type of guy. I go in, I go in fucking cold now, cold start every time. People usually like, you know, bring in their temperature. I think the same way it goes for a lot of people. They like to rip on their vape cartridges and they like to have big fat clouds or they like to just have little ones with the taste good. You know, well, so. people people can take proper dabs or improper dabs. It's up to yeah. them. Yeah, it is. You it know, is. Like you don't want, like when you send a fucking rocket into space. There's one fucking way to do it. Yeah, it's like hey there man, is. you have to do. You got a jet propulsion. Well, it's you, it, well, you, it got, you have to have one material, and, like, and that's gas, bro. That's fucking gas. That for you need fucking jet fuel to do that shit. Yeah. That's like yeah. that's big boy shit. But my point is the analogy I'm trying to use is like. And, and I'm kind of being a dick, I guess, but I, I don't think anything will listen, ever be, right be better. Jameson says the same thing. I don't think anything is ever going to fucking outdo the right rig with the right nail, with the right time and the right fucking cap. Nothing's ever going to touch that. You can never, never come to me with any of that shit. I mean, I've seen a million things and I love it all. Everything outside of that is just convenience. If I yeah. want to bake a fucking cake, I got to do it in an oven. I can't put it in the sun and pray to Jesus and hope that fucking, oh, well, I'm going to build an, it's like, no, dude, you, you do, you, you make an, you make a pizza in a fucking brick oven. You, yeah, you cook you a fucking turn. You know what I mean? There's a certain way to do shit. It's an yeah. unarguable point. You put enough heads in a room and you, you know, you put a hundred heads in a room, there's going to be like 95 torches in that room. So the, like the, the, the thing is, is like, what's your 10 out of 10, right? Like there are yeah. people who drink beer and they're like, bro, I love Bud Light. 
I'm gonna drink Bud Light. I'm gonna drink Bush till I die. And they're like, you, they're like, what? You don't want this like banana, orange juice, pineapple smoothie? And they're they're like, no, I want a Bush. And and everybody's different, but all the beer drinkers who love beer will get to a point, and they all go, dude, there's only one way to drink beer, and these are the these 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 are the really good beers, and we kind of shit on that, and and so we just have to understand that like. I, I know Quartz isn't going anywhere because I've looked everywhere. And yeah. There's no way. And you have to, Addy. And, and, you know, so, but, but there has to do with uh, how people grew up and the flavors that, that they were absorbing during like really key and important points in their life. Like I find I will meet people who are very, very tied to like the earthy uh, aspects of traditional hashish yeah like the sandalwoody yeah flavor i personally remember experiencing many times in my 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 youth but but by no means am tied to to the point where i'm reaching for that over some live live rosin so yeah every but but i mean everybody's different but i think that going forward um you know we're going to continually see like a rise in in extract consumption yeah and at first i was like and and up until very recently, I was like, you know, we need to like bring down the walls between solvents and solventless. But in reality, like it pays to have a back and forth. There's always East Coast, West Coast. There's always, you know, it, it is it is what it is. But building up the extracts community, my goal over my lifetime is just to make sure that we're not all smoking pens. And yeah. and, and I think that a lot of people will will end up going to like, you know, the new proxy you can basically like that's Those are dope. well like that's for people who don't want torches it's like you can yeah. put that into uh a, a, a rig and you can then yeah. now you don't have to worry about a torch maybe you live with your girl and your girl says you can't have a torch i don't know well, I, I, I smoke differently I'm, I'm a split smoker man like, and that's I don't just because you came is. up everybody comes up differently like, i everybody fucking smoke different. hash in splits all the time that's how i smoke i'm not really a bigger big rigger like yeah. i fucking love like what time rolling now i roll snakes yeah. Roll some split. I'm like super highly euro, and you got a you, you got a lot of people that are euro euro on their hash too as well. So you like, so when you say split, you put tobacco in it. Yep. Do people make do, do people give you shit because now you're putting tobacco? No, because I can which, smoke by my fucking self, and I can smoke my own split. You know what I mean? But it's then what it is, I, yeah. I would argue, I would argue, someone that smokes tobacco is not going to have the greatest palate when it comes to tasting other terpenes. I would, I would, uh, I would, de- I would definitely highly disagree. And it, it sees something is, is that like when I smoke regular, just straight weed in a joint, I think it tastes horrible. I'm like, dude, this shit tastes like gross. And then I throw a little bit of tobacco in there and blend it up in there. And I throw a little bit um, and a little bit of hash in there. There's something about it. And there's a lot, like I'm, there's millions of people, millions and millions of people like me. Um, did, you, you, did you ever smoke cigarettes? What's that? Yeah, I do. You do. You smoke cigarettes yeah. now. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, I think that there's, I think that there's, like, of course, millions of people, largely yeah. Europeans, that are searching for um, cannabis cultivars, varietals, and terpene profiles that oh, interact yeah. with the cannabis or yeah. with the nicotine, with the yeah. with the tobacco. The tobacco like, yeah. I smoke for I smoke for many many years. I don't yeah. smoke anymore, and I can tell you, like, your palate, the palate changes, yeah, uh, drastically. So I think that. There's a bit of like, well, you're looking. Oh, food will taste better, and I mean, they've said that for a long time. You know. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But, but yeah, to each, everybody to each their own. Yeah. Absolutely. 
For sure. I, I mean, know, I think I, don't, I, don't there, I think there's experience with with this hash in general. Is that's the cool part about it? Is there's a lot of factors of like how it really should be enjoyed. You oh know, yeah. A lot of people, you know, just really with people within like the rosins. A lot of people, you know, aren't really a rosin head, but they're a hash head. You know. And, yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that are just, it's just the way that it is. And there's, I don't know what it is. And I wish I could explain it, but it's like, you know, every time I roll a split or anything like that, man, it's just, it, it, it's time not to. Plus I, I love dabs. You might be like, man, I, all my sweaters from when I was a like, younger kid have burn marks in the front of my hoodies because I was taking knife hits off the fucking stove for so many years that, you know, that's how I was like smoking hash, like continuously. I'm waiting for someone to bring back the like the, the battery operated coil. Where is the Puffco hot knife? Where yeah, where is that? You, you know, like on there, fucking... like, battery operated. Pull it off. You got your hot knife. You're good to go. Where is the car to hot knife? Let's yeah. go. Listen, I will Let's explain something to everyone right now. Every fucking car has a hot knife in it. Oh, it's it does. It's called the lighter. You plug it, it the fuck in, you drop your hash on it, and you do a hot knife in your car. It's yeah. not going away, guys. You can buy, you can literally go online and buy like 20 of those little things that plug into your lighter. So when yeah. you destroy the one that you have, you throw it away and plug a brand new one in. Hot I'm, I'm sure in the there's car a cleaner way. All day long. It's, I'm it's, sure there's a cleaner way. Amazon right now, put in the type of car that you have, put in the fucking lighter thing, and it'll pop up from a thing in China that's like, here's a pack of 10. And you're like, I'll take all 10 of those motherfuckers. And then now you're just doing hot knives in your car. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, I miss I miss those hot knife days. Like I used to have like make the best contraptions in the world for that. With the you know, ice and the fucking two liter, and you'd be like, Yeah, when you cut the bottom <laughs> off and you rotate it, <laughs> you staple it together, and you put the tape on it. It's the best, dude. Me, my friends that were I knew all these wakeboarders that lived up in Sacramento, and they were yeah. all pot growers and like you know they make hash and do shit. And they had this gang called RFB for right front burner. And it was like yeah, the yeah. coil of the logo was like the coil of the thing. <laughs> and there was two knives behind it. It was the greatest crew ever. Like there were these crazy ass dudes. Shout out to the fucking RFB crew in Sacramento. Yeah. If you guys just Let's bring it back, dude. Oh, Joel and those crazy best, best knife fit competition. See, back then though, you didn't wait for your knives to cool down. If they weren't red hot, dude, then they weren't hot enough. Hey, you know, Jameson, like, you know what we should do at Legends? We should have a hot knife station where you can fucking come up and just blast out with some hot knives. I'm doing it. I'm announcing it, it right now. Let's do it. You mean you I'm should just announcing do... it here right now? <laughs> like, See if there was just some temperature, temperature controlled. Make some nice, like little paddles. You know, back in the day. Remember oh, the no. glass? Like I know, I know. Glass makers started making like glass paddles, and then you yeah, could I fucking had them. Yeah, smash I had glass yeah. paddles. Oh yeah. yeah, I got a trumpet still. So you want to hear a funny thing about knife heads? Is that my folks? Like when I before I left my house and moved to Alaska, I had I took this. Um, pair of my mom's nice stainless uh i mean uh, stainless steel uh knives and they ended up finding them in my room that they're burned on top and uh still to this day when i go eat dinner at their house it for some reason it's at my place plate stating and it's i sit down and there's those knives that one knife with the burnt top that yeah. they've resurrected and kept and i mean it, it still comes up in story of like why is this knife burnt you must be doing some crazy art projects and Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mom, you didn't know. Like, we had a stove in our in our garage when we were growing up, so we were able Ooh. to hang out and fucking do that. Because big Mormon families had to cook two turkeys, so that was what that, that's nice. really why there was a stove in the in the in the garage. So, oh fuck yeah, it worked out well for me. Yeah, hot knives are definitely a rite of passage. When I meet like some of these kids, never took a fucking hot knife, and it shows. You know what I'm saying? Like they ain't never. Yeah. 
they never burnt their favorite shirt or, or killed their friend. Like you, yeah. you think okay. taking a hot dab will fuck you up? And this is what we yeah. used to do. Me and my stupid ass friends, we would take a hot knife and then we'd have a skateboard there and we would see who could do the highest ollie and yeah. hold the fucking hit. Yeah. And, and it was like a thing, we would just pass out. You'd be like, and then you'd fucking crumble and just knock yeah. yourself out. Oh yeah. And because we were so there- stupid, that, that when you would like drop the hash onto the knife, sometimes it would boil off and run right it off. Slide right? off onto your leg. Well, yeah. one time I went down and I grabbed, I grabbed a piece that I thought was hash off the floor, and it was fucking bacon. And I gave it my friend that hit real hard. And he's all, oh, he's all, that's bacon. It was probably the one of the funniest Bro, things I've ever seen. Yeah. In my entire I had life. a buddy in my kitchen drop <laughs> the fucking dab and then go down. And when he did, one of the knives touched the linoleum, and yeah. then when he came up to do it, it was like a linoleum fucking oh. hot knife with hash on it and then yeah. i dude his eyes were fucking like chemical red like he did something to himself and he might yeah. be dead now i haven't seen that yeah you, you usually hit that you, you usually hit that like two liter bottle sometimes you know you catch that little, oh i've done that too you know, whoa it was yeah. dangerous bro shit was so yeah. and that, that, that's that's yeah. why now when people are like you have a blowtorch i'm like motherfucker we used to There'd be like eight of us in the kitchen around the fucking stove. Yeah. Someone would fucking do their knife and it would slide off and the, you'd, you'd get like a hot dab on your toe or something. Like, yeah. Dude, it was dangerous. Now it's like... You were using shit. using the same knife that you were using to burn the holes into that piece of plastic you were going to suck out of to use yeah. the knives for the hash. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Delicious. There's a, there's, I'm shocked that we're even still alive at this fucking point. These yeah. kids now, they're like, oh, my Puffco or oh, my this. And you're like... That's not taking a fucking dab, dude. That's like that's like using Visine in one eye. That's not even a fucking. That's not even like the real deal. You, you got to fucking go all the way in, and you got to. You should have to take hot knives to start. That should be the fucking rule. And then once you get, to, we should have a camp that you go to, and you hot enroll. Knife camp? No, it's a attached camp. Yeah, like when you get there, yeah. you start with hot knives. The first yeah. day, and then you move into fucking. Then you have to use the hands. dome that has the little Everything, fold the, over the little bell. All of yeah. it. You got to go all the way yeah. through. You got to do hot dabs the, ti- the titanium now. Yep. You know, you and then when you leave, you get a certificate. Like the Gongiers should do this. The yeah. Gongiers like, should do this. You we should, should make the Hashiers, and it's a different yeah. thing. Or we should incorporate this because then someone could be like, "Hey, man, that's like that's like the dude who's like, I went to Oaksterdam." You could be like, yeah. "I went through fucking Jameson's hash, fucking uh, Navy Sealer." Why don't it's we like do? Buds. It's like why don't buds we do like the journey? We'll why don't we do like the journey through dabbing at Legends of Hash? And you got to walk in, and you can take the tour, like where you take a knife hit of this, and then you go through, and then you have to take like the dome over, then you take the di- tiny di- titanium nail, then you move over, sued, then you're maybe, finally, then you're finally die. at the mothership glass, and you're like, wow, we can't. I don't want to be far. a part of because that's like, first of all, I'm not doing any of that because I'm going to smoke all the fire hash, and I don't want to yeah. hurt my my instruments. Yeah. That's the thing. You, you, you're going to be doing like 180 fucking dabs in two days. So yeah. You really got to. That's yeah. what people don't understand two days. about. Two days now. Yeah, it's two days dope. Now. Two, days. Two, two days. days. And we get don't eggs. Don't forget that. Which is it's great. poached eggs and hash. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, <laughs> Sounds pretty good to me. It's going to be epic. You know, that's so that's, my, you know that's on my birthday, right? Ooh, okay. So was, uh, right. was Legends last time like uh, – did everybody show up with rigs or just a few people or did you have everybody showed up with their rig everyone had rigs it was like you had a seat you came in and we instructed everybody to like bring your setup yeah bring some cash because mothership's going to be there bring this we kind of gave everyone the update on like what they needed to do so it was round tables 
bunch of them put together and everyone just came in, picked a spot, sat down, went up, got their kit, and then just hung out in that spot all night and, and, you know, kind of did their thing. So it was, uh, it was fucking nuts too, because you couldn't really see anything. It was kind of dark. We wanted it to be like, cause the, the original legends of hash that you'd go to would be like down in this restaurant and it wasn't really well lit kind of. And so this year we're kind of bringing a lot more, it'll be brighter. You'll have your phone. There'll be all these kind of things that'll be, you'll feel a little less like a canary in the mines in a sense. You know? <laughs> That's Hopefully, I'm very excited. It'll be bigger. It's like, it's set up this year so that there's a whole back wall that will be like standing tables. So people can kind of congregate in there and do shit and, and dab at those places. And there's an outside that will have, you know, covered outside for eating and for dabbing and shit. So it's a much bigger space. Uh, shout out to the guys at Vortex and uh, 91 club. It's, it's their space that they have and it's, beautiful fucking spot and there's there's what's cool about it too is there's a lot of uh a lot of events there now so we're seeing like a yeah. lot of people put on some of the stuff um I'm, i've been trying to get over there one of these weekends i've just been so fucking busy i want to go over there and hit up one of the events and kind of see how they jam out but it's a great space man they have such a beautiful space so it's going to be um a lot bigger and we're uh you know there'll be i think 40 makers for this one nice so it'll be 15 more all the the original 25 from last year and then 15 more makers um and that will be the oh, uh, much much bigger and then you know now you guys can enter up to three things um and there's no That's extra so charge to there's yeah. no extra charge to enter more things so you can enter how's three the, different categories how's the judging work over the two days so you'll get um it's going to be on your phone and it's essentially like a google survey and you get in there and it's going to populate everything into a spreadsheet for us so we can see in real time what it is one of the biggest issues when you do this is that like you then gotta you're fucking roasted off your ass and now you gotta be like let's do math and Frozen. people are writing shit and doing things so so that's why uh this way with uh google survey on your phone you go in you fucking just answer all the questions put all your shit in um and then that way we're, we're able to get the data more quickly and and do that stuff so there we are he's back, back. there we go Know yeah, the, phone, the phones are good. The phones, as somebody who had to do some data input on day of a con, uh, um, it's not fun. It's we're too roasted, man. It's not. Yeah. It's not good. There's you're gonna make mistakes anyway, but that just sets you up for fucking. You know, you don't want to do hash math when you're super high because then it's gonna be <laughs> wrong math. You know, it's gonna be I, uh, a little. I double checked the melting of the head stuff in Excel, and it was all right, thankfully. So that's good. That's good. Well, yeah. So we'll we'll have we'll have that. Um, that'll be different you know we'll add that to it it's a much bigger event but for kyle like what did you what was your experience with legends you want to talk about it a little bit How'd you yeah like it? i think it was think? good I, I didn't really get that uh i mean the smoking of the more hash type of ordeal was kind of like how it was done which is kind of like the throw off from that but you know i think with just if i wanted to touch base on that i think a phenomenal event um i think a little bit more of a meet and greet within the uh, within the hash makers letting people introduce themselves tell them what people do I'm really starting to get people that aren't really being formal because we all have our click. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we all hang out with everybody. We got our little shit. We sit back. We Penske, what up? You know, we have that. But really getting people to explain why they're there and really kind of getting, you know, in touch with that, just kind of introduce themselves, you know? So mm -hmm. that's one thing that I would do. Definitely like the more point scoring on the kind of the hash. Um, I like the one through five type of gig. Yep. The ordeal, the fucking... You know, is it, was it on the flavor? Is it one through five? And then look, yep. 
taste. And then so everything, I once you get that point score towards the end of that, you got the most points, you know? We'll have that this year. That's what yeah. we added. We added that because, and that's why we brought back the original 25 people that are makers that were there. Yeah. Because we want you guys to then be able to compete based on that, that new format and, and, yeah. and actually have judging. Um, we'll still have the Legends Award, which will be, yeah. you know, based on the based on the POS system, whatever runs out first, we'll get yeah. that Legends Award. But then there's going to be first, second, and third for each of yeah. the categories based on a one through ten. And I think it's like four different uh, points that we're looking at for yeah. one through ten. So a perfect score would be 40. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. For sure. But yeah. And that's how we did. We did a Taste of the Harvest once one year. And we did that same way where everybody came up. They grabbed a score sheet. They went up to the jars, even themselves, and like would pull the nuggets out of that jar themselves. And, you know, by the end of it, after everybody smoked, like, I mean, you know, they went back, we just added up all the numbers and that's the person that won. And I've never so seen, wins. I've never seen more high school weed over like anything. I, when I woke up that morning, there was just piles of fucking weed all over the tables everywhere and so many joints and everything. It was like crazy to see, like, usually that's like beers at, a, at an event or whatever. After a party. Yeah. yeah. And it was just weed piles, just like dank nuggets everywhere. And it, that night it was like super moist. And so all the weed was just ruined, you know? So I think oh, people like left it there. So they woke like up. Now, and it was disgusting. Like, nowadays after events, it's like, um, everyone's so roasted that you lose your caps and yeah. your pearls and all your other shit. Cause you leave yeah. them in these ISO soaks and you're like, halfway down the highway and you're like fuck man i left my fucking yeah i left my marble bro and like that's kind of that's kind of the new one of that is that you're like dude i got i got back from this event i got to show you a picture of it jameson i have i have some fucking cap i don't know where the fuck it came from but it's like a um i think it's a a quave for like a fucking but yeah i'll show it to you but yeah you just randomly now you're like what the fuck is this thing because you have an iso thing you can have a little box someone will put their shit in your iso soak yeah. Yeah. So you just—it's like a ground score from the show. I'm yeah. missing a, a cancer marble. I got the—I snagged the last one of the cancers, the crab on the marble. So if you got one of those, no. Out. But I did. I'll—I'll sh- I'll send you a picture of it. You know what? Sure. I, the reason why I'm saying this to you is because I saw you taking a dab video. There was a video of you at the event, and it was the cap that you—you you were using. <laughs> so I think it like got over to the judges' <laughs> table somehow, and then it went into the ISO, and then yeah, it was like. And then I lost my fucking crank cap, it's, but I think it's a ship cap. It. It's a ship no, cap. No, it's no, it's a Quave Charmer cap. Oh, true. Well, that's yeah. yeah we should we should post it up or whatever. It's like a slurper cap, but it's a it's a pink slurper cap. It's this oh. weird looking little pink slurper cap, but interesting. Anyhow, anyhow, anyway, um, back to back to my questions about legends. So, um, you get it's your birthday for this year. Yeah. So are you going to come down and celebrate your birthday down here? Or what are you going to do? I would love to. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I would love to for sure. We'll have to sing happy birthday to you all. So I'm going to, I'm going to make that sure that good. we have name tags because I want you to be able to meet everybody. Cause that's yeah. a very good idea. And then we'll sing happy birthday to you at the event. Thanks. And then you'll have 150 people singing happy birthday. to you. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. That'd That'd be awesome. Man. Phenomenal time. Yeah. I'm so not- are you, Go ahead. A quick question. Are you coming out with or thinking about any sort of products that you could come up with that would help people smoke your hash more easily and, and efficiently? Um, anything like that? Are you guys, because I know you're working yeah. on all this different stuff. Yeah, the three hole pipes are really big. Um, we like those to do because um, we really, we love temple vaults. You know, um, we're just mm-hmm. kind of big traditional on that level. I think the three hole pipe works really well for that. 
Um, and so we have someone in house that does make that for that. So we're trying to give those along and try to boost that up so we can actually give those along with our temple ball purchases. Cool. Uh, so some piece that you can put on your, your, your bong or whatever, but yeah, we sell those like hotcakes at the shop for that reason. Fuck yeah. You know, and then no, that's just, always helpful, man. That's always yeah, super you're still helpful. using your glass rod and whatever. And I mean, it's, you know, it goes in pretty nice. So, um, we, we love that. And I mean, no, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not really like product driven more than just working on our hash and our fucking brand right now. You know, I think we'll, we'll get to that point here soon, hopefully. So it's just, uh, we're, we, we launched a business during COVID and during a recession. So yeah. we're not new to this game. We've been around for a long freaking time, but definitely was like one of the hardest, hardest times in the, in this world to like start a business, you know, for sure. Well, yeah. hard times make tough men. They do. Yeah. I, I, the crazy part is that I'm a little soft bear, dude. I'm a crier, dude. I'll, I cry, <laughs> you know, I, I show my emotion like on every freaking which way, you know, I tell people, thank you more than I should. I indulge. I saw you cry cool. at the Emerald cup. Yeah, I do. You know, yeah. That's a, good it's, though, bro. You gotta deal. show your emotions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, my sister just had passed at that point too. So I mean it was really it's a big deal because she was a big bridge for my family seeing the like the cannabis in the world. And then she was actually able to um get RSO from me and um, some from some of my friends to help her along the way. And my parent my parents and family supported her one hundred and ten percent. And um, you know, my you know, it really scared the shit out of my dad, but the, like to have my dad tell me that that's helping, and you know, to her like, saying that it was helping, it's a big deal. So, what was your uh, what was your sister's name, and when did she pass? Um, her name was Kristen. Um, she passed this last May. Um, she's like five years, seven, seven years older than me. Um, she died of cancer, and it was her second time battling cancer. She didn't want to do chemo anymore. Um, she was at when she was seventeen in high school. She was in a car accident where she was in a coma for three months. Um, and then she had to relearn how to walk and talk, everything, you name it, for three three years of inpatient rehab. And then married a guy. He cheated on her. And then said that she, she left. And then she's still handicapped, mind you, and then got cancer, beat cancer, and then got cancer again. And she was just like, I'm done. So she prepared for the last year to die. And um, she's very religious and she's very spiritual and just the most innocent person you've ever met in your entire life. And to really see that, you know, that she was taking in these things because she is a Mormon. She does like believes highly in the word of God and letting me give her these type of scenarios. And um, I'll tell you what, if there's one person that's going to heaven, you know, it's one of those people that it's like her, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, she was just super innocent and the church was just packed. It was like lines around the block, you know, and she passed away and she tested a lot of people within like her struggles of like what she did with her life. And, you know, my, my parents took care of her for 30 years. And then now they can actually take care of themselves and it's a big, big, big deal. So it's more of yeah, a relief thing than, you know, than, than it was a bad thing. So, yeah. Sorry to hear that. Thank you for sharing that, man. I know Thanks. that that's Thank like, you. sometimes there's a, and, and uh, I remember you speaking about it at Emerald cup, but when you were getting emotional, I think it had more to do with like how proud you were of your team, well, you know, cause I saw you up there and that's when you got emotional. You were yeah. like, Oh, the, these guys, you know, and it yeah. was like, and, and even the other farmers and the other guys. So that's, and you know what, there's nothing wrong with, I think like that, that's the problem that most men have is that they can't show emotion and then it's all bottled up inside. And then you fucking start acting out and then dudes are like, why is that guy so crazy? And it's like, yeah. Oh, because you don't know that he has all this shit going on. Yeah. And, and it's like, what I love about being with my friends, like we were, we were up at melting of the heads, right? There's a group of us together. I've never, seen dudes just fuck with each other more than what that group was doing 
because it was like it was just like every fuck you know when you get a bunch of guys together and they're all there and then it's like after a couple hours everyone's picking on one person or it just fucking starts shifting and it's like this go for all and everyone's going nuts it's that sort of camaraderie is is important and and men need that shit and i think when like it goes beyond that to like bullying and other shit people kind of close up and they don't want to talk about stuff so it's like i'm i'm way on mental health and like doing the shit you need to do yourself personally to, to feel better about yourself no negative talk you know none of these things need to be in your head like we beat ourselves up so much so yeah. I'm all about the emotional man. So I, I give you the high five on that. Well, it wasn't, emo- it wasn't just emotional for me. I mean, it was, you know, it was emotional for my team, you know, um, yeah. Frank passed away that year. Um, you know, I mean, it was a big deal for bell and like a lot of us like working so hard, like we were, you know, we worked to win Emerald cup. Like we yep. did, like we were like, you know what, we're going to go in there and we worked our asses off for a freaking year. And we really put ourselves to the bone and we wanted those accolades. And, we wanted to have some of the stuff that we were doing this to make this like, you know, what our realm is and what we're doing in this legal market, we be fucking validated. And um, mm-hmm. when we felt that and like when we were actually being able to be there with Belle and to have her be on my team, like, you know, there's I so much honor to have. Dude, this girl, that girl makes better hash than any boys out there, dude. And she, she is just super talented, but she has also by kind the spread books. Her spreadsheets are just amazing. Like on a business level, she's taking it you know, way higher. And she's really, she, she structures those boys like crazy. And you have to have someone in there like this. that's going to be able to help this big team win. And she's a, she's a, an amazing leader uh, more than you've ever seen any, like, more than seen a lot of people. And, you know, to her see that win and to have her come down, like she didn't really want to go down. She didn't want to be really like known and do, have do the stuff like with Emerald cups. It wasn't her big thing. And then, you know, to have her, you know, dedicated to Frenchie and to do that type of thing. It was, mm-hmm. it was fucking huge, man. And to have her put her fist up at the very end and be like, this is for Frenchie and Heritage Hashko. I lost mm-hmm. it. Like, I was just like, dude, girl, that's like, you know, that was the shit. It was one of the and best. Girl, girls do make better hash than guys. I got to admit, <laughs> like, there's something about like the, they do. The, just the gentleness of it or something that's like, I mean, cause look at Papa's. Yeah. Uh, 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 what's her name? Um, uh, Wook Sauce's uh, girl, Alice. Like, Alice, is amazing at making hash. There's all these women that are really good at making hash. And, that, and that's why last year on the Legends poster, we wanted to have a woman on the poster. We were like, all right, we got to like kick it back to, to the ladies on a little bit. Because mm-hmm. nine out of ten times, man, usually if a, if a girl walks up and hands you a gram of hash, it's better than it's better than when a guy walks up and hands a gram of hash. It's a, yeah. it's it's already you know, uh, and and the quality of it's always been fucking better. So I definitely can agree with you. Like, and she makes amazing stuff, man. She's yeah. I've I've had some of her stuff uh, just from that's that's that friends have had for a while. That's kind of cured and gotten to taste like the you know her temple balls and her other stuff is just such a, a different experience. Like in a dry pipe, you know, yeah. something like that. They're so fucking good, and and it's a different high. Yeah. You get you're more munchies. You want to eat yeah. some food, like it's, it's cool. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a high school speak, high. Speaking you know, of like, women, it's my anniversary today, and my oh. one my, my wife that keeps looking at me like she's like, "Let's, let's go. You got to yeah, go take her out. Let's spend the next few minutes wrapping up whatever we need to do." But uh, and I would love to sit here for another three hours and talk to you guys. But holy shit, you know. Well, usually we yeah. uh, we wrap it up like talking about. The, the the market and the overall yeah. view which i think we already touched on and then yeah you know we ask what what you've got what you're working on and 
your projects, but I mean, between the new equipment company, the new transport yeah. uh, storage system that Addison is very interested in, and you know, Heritage Hash, I, I, I really think um, you, you've got your hands full. But yeah, like anything else that you're working on or any shameless plugs, like you know, stage is yours. I mean that. I mean, I think that you know, um, we've got a couple other eyeing things that we want to be doing down in LA. Um, we might be trying to put together some sort of uh, like reality hash TV show that might be kind of coming up with what's going on. Um, I've got a place that's really close that we might be calling the Hashery. Um, and it's right across like where the Wisdom is um, down in that like the art space. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're really trying. If, if if it works out, it'll work out. But we're really trying to get within the partners to really pull the trigger. But yeah, we kind of like more like a live, you know, like reality life of a hash maker, you know what I mean? And so we're kind of doing that in itself, but also at the same time too, or just, we're really refining what we are as Heritage Hashco right now. And we're really trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to be leaning forward and we're also trying to survive too as well. So we will stick around and we'll survive because we can run thin, but you know, that's what our motto is right now is to make dank hash, really be picky with the people that we're working with with this next year. Um, be uber picky and uh, again just and come out swinging again win emerald cup again maybe win legends again you know like we would like to keep doing this type of thing you know we really uh those accolades are nice so <laughs> Hell yeah. so kyle that's awesome man thank you so much for taking the time if people want to get at you where's the best place to reach you well you can go to heritage mendocino um on instagram it's just heritage mendocino um and then our hash page got deleted um, so we have our new one up. It's called Her it's heritagehash.co. Um, we might get the other one back up, but just go follow heritagehash.co or Heritage Mendocino. And then my farms, Bon Bavant Farms. That's, you know, Bon Bavant Farms. And all yeah. on Instagram. Um, and then those, those links will help you bring over to any of our, like our menus. And if you need bulk menu or any bulk hash or any bulk, anything like that, and you're a licensed motherfucker. You can get at me in my email. My email is up on uh, our page too as well. So, Awesome. Kyle, I yeah, appreciate probably. you taking the time, man. Especially yeah, this, this is a fun time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Thank you yeah. so much. Have a great day. Thank you, everybody. Don't yeah. forget to like and subscribe. Thank you. Have Good to see you, boys. Cheers, Take care. Everyone.